for a response to deter the use of chemical weapons. Here's our political correspondent, Chris Mason. The Prime Minister will hope his justification for military intervention, the use of chemical weapons, and the narrow scope of the proposed response deterring their further use will reassure sceptical MPs and the country alike. Writing in the Daily Telegraph, the Foreign Secretary William Hague says that the Syrian conflict is the first time that chemical warfare has been used anywhere in the world in the 21st century. But the Conservative MP John Barron, a long-standing sceptic about the merits of intervention, told me David Cameron's determination to stress the limitations of the government's intentions was a recognition that they're up against it. A worker at a Buckinghamshire care home showed a callous disregard for the people in her care, according to the prosecution at her trial. Henrietta of Five faces 19 charges of neglect at Westlands in Olney in Buckinghamshire. Mike Cartwright's been following the case at Aylesbury Crown Court. Henrietta of Five's defence is that she was just resting her eyes while on a break in the middle of her shift. Inconceivable, her barrister said, that she'd sleep with managers close by. But the court heard evidence she'd slept on shift four times in the past. Residents left in soiled beds. One care worker saying she'd never seen a patient in such a state before. Henretta Afai denies all those charges and the case continues. The UK's first private medical school is about to be launched in Milton Keynes. The Buckingham Milton Keynes Medical School will receive no government funding. Instead, it'll be run as a not-for-profit venture by the University of Buckingham and the Milton Keynes NHS Foundation Trust, where students will spend their clinical year. In sport, Arsenal have reached the group stages of the Champions League for the 16th year. The Gunners notched up a 5-0 aggregate victory over Fernabachi last night. And the weather, cloudy to start, but brighter later with a top temperature of 22 degrees Celsius. That's 72 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Hey. You hiding again. No, we had a little bit of fun this morning. It was well, fun. Well, you did. Huh? You did. Sorry? I had a panic. Well. I'm just about peeled myself off the ceiling yeah what what happened guys and gals uh, listen to this a little bit of fun um i went downstairs to get the newspapers i saw Catherine's lights in the car park i thought well, this is an opportunity for a little bit of fun um <laughs> so i hid uh, behind the door uh, of the entrance of bbc three counties radio in the dark in the dark yes um uh, th- i was there for about four minutes it got to the point where i was thinking oh maybe i should just go and never mention this to any <laughs> then i heard the footsteps the delicate light lady footsteps of Catherine boyle um stamping uh, gently walking towards the door i thought this is it this is my moment and you came in and i said boo and you actually started crying a little bit <laughs> i did quiver now i know what would happen if my worst nightmare came true. You wouldn't handle it as well as you thought you would? No, I thought I would be like Wonder Woman. Instead, I was like a small, quivering baby. There was a little bit of wee on the floor. Is that yours? (laughs) I think it might have been. It's not bullying. It's just a little bit of harmless fun. One of the the many pranks at BBC Three Counties Radio that makes life here so enjoyable. (laughs) Me scaring women. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show today. We're sending out Justin with uh, with armfuls of work to do. I, I wonder if he'll be able to cope. I'm sure he will. We'll have you the latest, give you the latest on Railcare. The Wolverton-based company has been bought out, helping to secure the future for workers there. The celebrity chef Jamie Oliver, remember him? Well, he's criticised the work ethic of British youngsters. He's described them as wet behind the ears and says he couldn't run his business if it wasn't for tougher immigrant workers. Well, is Mr Oliver right? Are immigrant workers tougher than the British? 
and children are spending too much time in front of the telly. That's the view of Public Health England. Well, the question is, could you get rid of your TV? And how much TV do you let your kids watch? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. The best way, though, this morning, I think, is to give me a call. 08459 555 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Workers at the troubled rail refurbishment firm in Milton Keynes say they are delighted their future is now secure. German company Norbremser announced yesterday it was buying rail care, securing more than 200 jobs at the firm's two sites in Wolverton and Glasgow. Norbremser will now pay the salaries of the employees who hadn't been paid since they went into administration. Well, these workers spoke to our reporter Sophie Solaria and told her how they felt after they'd heard the news. I'm really relieved. It's sort of like give us some confidence now going forward. Uh, not knowing what the future's going to be was quite worrying, really, for my family and myself. But today seems to be a really good confidence-boosting news for us. How have you been struggling the last few months? Uh, luckily enough, I've been out, had a few savings and I've had to dip into those to cover the monthly bills. And luckily enough, my father-in-law has sort of like give us a little bit of money to tide us over until we got paid, so... Hopefully, in the next three or four days, maybe more, we're going to get sort of like some money back and hopefully go on now for the future in a better frame of mind, really, because it's been quite daunting coming to work, actually, day to day, not knowing whether you're going to get paid, have you got a job at the end of the week. So It's been a rough ride, but today's a good day. Yes, very, very good day. Oh, delighted, yes. It's, um, it's good for the company. At least we'll get someone taking over that's going to invest in the company and they've said they're going to be here for the long term, so... Yeah, delighted. And the future's bright. Excellent news, excellent news. We've been waiting for a long time. It's been a lot of hardship for everybody, but it's good news, really good news. Tell me that feeling you got when you heard it was definite. Of elation. Um, we're, we're happy for everyone. A lot of people have been struggling over the last few weeks. The atmosphere has been it's been pretty awful coming in here, knowing that we might shut down, etc., etc. So it, it's a lovely, a lovely thing that's happened. How have you felt the last few months? Personally, quite guilty coming into work when all the guys have lost their jobs, but hopefully now, I don't know what the future brings, but hopefully some of them can come back. Have you told your family? Everybody knows, everybody's ever so happy, so yeah, I think it's drinks all round, I think. Well, that's Workers speaking to our reporter, Sophie Solera, joined now by editor of Rail News, Sim Harris. Morning, Sim. This is good news, isn't it? Morning, Ian. It's a remarkable turnaround after the developments at the end of July. Uh, We had just uh, put our um, August edition of Rail News to press, and we'd said that Norbremser were poised to take over, and then on the last day of July, in the evening, as I gather, the talks broke down, and then we had all the problems which followed with, as you've said, workers not being paid, and indeed real uncertainty as to whether the depots at uh, Wolverton and Springburn in Glasgow would continue in business. What does this mean, obviously not just for the workers at Wolverton and Glasgow, but for rail maintenance in general in the UK? Well, what was puzzling about this to me, although plainly I I didn't have inside information about their finances, was that actually the market that Railcare is in is quite a buoyant one. What they do is they rebuild and refurbish existing trains. So they're not building new carriages. What they are doing is taking in rolling stock that might be 15, 20 or 25 years old 
cold, and if you like, um, um, cheering it up. It's called a midlife refurbishment, and the work can be quite extensive, you know, ripping out all the seats, rebuilding the interiors, putting in new equipment. It, it, it's halfway to, to building new trains in, in some ways, and, and it was odd because there's plenty of that work around. They'd just finished a major project to uh, rebuild, refurbish all the trains on the Heathrow Express service from Paddington, and I had just seen some of those. I'd been invited to, to see them, and what a very good job they had done. They're doing some work for Greater Anglia, the operator out of Liverpool Street, including rebuilding all their intercity coaches, which are fairly venerable. They, they, they date back to the 1980s. And they're doing those, and it was really odd why Railcare couldn't carry on, because, as I say, there's plenty of this work about. Good news for the people who are still uh, in employment there. I, I would assume that the 130-odd uh, workers that lost their jobs at Wolverton won't get their jobs back. Well, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. It's, uh, as far as I can tell, the, the total job losses at Railcare are rather more than that, sadly, as we stand, because there were about 500 workers at the two sites. That includes the one in Glasgow as well as the one uh, at Wolverton. And uh, the, the statement from the administrators yesterday said that 202 skilled jobs had been secured, which sounds to me as if nearly 300 of lot have gone altogether. But that's subject to confirmation. And also, um, somebody did, did imply just now in, in your interviews that uh, maybe some of those will come back uh, as the work comes in. Let's hope so. It's it slightly sad, Sim, that it's, it's taken a, a foreign company to come in and save this. Well, Lord Bremser have got quite a presence in this country already, and uh, the whole railway market is very international now. It, it, it's probably a bit late to start putting up the drawbridge and saying, oh, well, it's not British, and being and, and humphing about it, because we, in turn, have a, a good deal of um, presence in other countries. I don't know whether you know it, but uh, companies like First Group, the people who run First Capital Connect from Bedford to London, um, run a great many school buses in the United States. Now, National Express, who are familiar for their white coaches, but also uh, run as a, um, run the, the trains from Fenchurch Street in London down to Southend and Shoebury Ness, they have just gained two rail franchises in Germany. So everyone's at it in each other's countries, as it were, so I'm, I'm much less bothered about that. What is the important news is that Railcare is back in business, and uh, there are people in Milton Keynes this morning going to work to, to, get, to get to work on those trains. Well, it, it, isn't it nice and unusual to start the show with a, with a bit of good news, Sim? It's a great pleasure to start the show with a bit of good news. And what is remarkable is the roller coaster drama we've had since the 31st of July, mm. uh, when it all seemed to be the end of the line, if I may say so. And now here we are um, with Railcare still in business in Wolverton. As you say, it's, it's good news. Um, a nice story with which to move into the autumn, wouldn't you say? I would uh, definitely agree. Sim Harris, always a pleasure. Editor of Rail News, and it is good news. Uh, th th I'm going to play a Linda Ronstadt song. I'm a big fan of Linda Ronstadt. She's not very well. She can't can't sing anymore. Such sad news. Hey, listen, kids, if you want to go and hear a good song, we haven't got it on here, otherwise I'd play it. Go to YouTube, type in Linda Ronstadt, different drum. Man, that's a song. Oh, it's a song. But she's got Parkinson's, so she's, she can't sing anymore. She's only 66. Let's have a little bit of Linda Ronstadt and Aaron Neville, shall we? Yes. Look at this face. I know the years are showing. Look at this life I still don't know where it's going 
don't know much But I know I love you And that may be all I need to know Look at these eyes They've never seen what matters Look at these dreams So big and so better I don't know much But I know I love you Inspiration. Look at this soul still searching for salvation. I don't know much, but I know I love you. And that may be all I need to know. Start and Aaron Neville. She's got Parkinson. She's 66 and she can't sing anymore. Very sad. But I know I love you. That may be all there is to know. Do yourself a favour. Go to YouTube. Type in Linda, different drum. Have some of that. Have some of that. That's a song, dear listener. Forget your Miley Cyrus twerking on stage with one of her backing singers. Linda didn't need gimmicks like that. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Nice and quiet on the road so far. We've had no accidents or incidents reported and the roads of the three counties are moving well. No trouble on the M1 or the A1M. The M40 through the roadworks past Tame is looking clear, as is the M25 through the roadworks between the A1M and Enfield at Junction 25. The A5 at Milton Keynes, as you come along the Fenny Stratford bypass, there's still a lane closed off for junction improvement works. It's as you come toward the McDonald's roundabout, the junction with the A4146 and Watling Street. That can get quite busy. We'll be keeping a close eye on it as the morning goes on. In Dunstable Pointers Road is still closed. This is for the major improvement works and it's shut between the A505 
and Wheatfield Road as you go down toward the Woodside Industrial Estate. The diversions via the A505, Boscombe Road and Ports Avenue. And they're hoping to have it reopened in the next couple of weeks. Things on the trains are looking good. After all the problems of yesterday morning, we have a good service running for all providers so far today. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 6.17, it's Wednesday the 28th of August. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Milton Keynes MP, Mark Lancaster, is hopeful that some of the workers made redundant at Wolverton's rail care will be re-employed. The NHS has been told that the lives of thousands of hospital patients could be saved every year if staff checked to see if their kidneys were working properly. In sport... Arsenal have reached the group stages of the Champions League for the 16th year in a row after they completed a 5-0 aggregate victory over Fenerbahce. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks cloudy to start brighter later with a top temperature of 22 degrees coming up in the show. Could you get rid of your television? Children are spending far too much time in front of the TV. That's the view of the Public Health England. But could you get rid of yours? And how much TV do your kids watch? We'll talk more about it before 6.30. I know there are some listeners to the show who let children have TVs in their bedrooms from the age, get this, of three. That is bang out of order. BBC Three Counties Radio. Inside Out is back, investigating the stories that matter to us in the East. We'll be asking the tough questions, uncovering local issues, and revealing untold stories closer to home. Inside Out East returns starting Monday, 7.30 on BBC One. Thank you. 
Four tops there, baby. I need your loving. It's a shame that all four of them fancy the same woman. How's that going to pan out? It can only end in tears, guys. Hey, could you get rid of your television? The, the older I get, before, when I, a few years ago, I used to think if you didn't have a TV, you were a pervert. I did. I used to think you were you were a, a deviant of some kind. It seems another thing. The older I get, the more I think. Oh, actually, it's not such a bad. I did. I hardly watch it now. I watched two episodes of Dragon's Den last night, and I do like the Dragon's Den. Have you noticed? <laughs> I noticed this last series. Duncan Bannatyne doesn't invest anymore because he's got no money. Now he's. I, no, I'm not laughing. At, I, I, I like Duncan. I've, I've met Duncan several times. He's a nice bloke. But now his wife is divorcing him. He's got no money. So in the, the first three episodes of this series, he's invested in no businesses. He only made one offer, and it was such a ridiculous. He said, "I want. I'll give you fifty grand, but I want fifty percent of the company." They went, "Well, no, we're not doing that." Oh well, I'm out. I'm out. He says. So, I, but I, even that's gone off the boil slightly. They're two new dragons. I don't like the two new dragons. Anyway. I'm watching less and less TV. And according to uh, Public Health England, children are spending too much time in front of screens, whether it's TV or playing video games or their iPads or their phones, and it's having a worrying effect on their well-being and anxiety. Public Health England is encouraging families to adopt healthier behaviours and lifestyles as children prepare for the new school year. Could you get rid of your TV? How much TV do you let your children watch? And we've had this discussion before about kids having TVs in their bedroom. Not before the age of 16, I think. My boys will not be getting a television in their bedroom before the age of 16. And uh, they won't be getting mobile phones until about 15, 16, something like that. And even then we're going to be strict with them. If your kids got TVs in their bedrooms... And how much TV do you let your kids watch? Well, we sent Sophie Solaria out and about to Milton Keynes to ask people if they could get rid of their televisions. This is what they told us. No, I'd need to have my TV. I do. I'd need to have my TV, yeah. Like the sports, watch the sports. And Downton Abbey. Got that for Downton Abbey, yeah. It's okay for like a couple of weeks, but I think you need to like keep in touch with what's going on in the world. No. No way. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely watch not. Watch it too much. Rely on it too much for anything. It's on even if I'm not watching it. You know, when I'm just doing jobs and it's on in the background, whether it's the news or people talking, and I kind of listen to it, even if I don't sit and watch it. As long as I had the radio, I think I'd be OK, to be honest. Because I lived without TV when I was shocked. You know what I mean? Didn't have it. <laughs> so it's not that difficult. I think I could. I mean, I listen to radio anyway. I don't watch a lot of TV anyway, so... I could. Some sad opinions there, I think. That lady said, well, we have it on in the background, you know, whether I'm watching it or not. What? what? Whether it's the news or just some people talking. <laughs> I used to be like that. I used to be like that, uh, and it is having kids. You, you kind of uh, limit the amount of TV you watch, A, because you haven't got much time, and B, because you don't want them to come in while you're watching rubbish. And also doing this job means I'm, I'm kind of in bed at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, because I'm not up watching the rubbish in the evening. I'm very selective about what I watch. Could you get rid of your television? 08459... Four double five five double five. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I think if I had to, I could. Um, 
I, I do think it's a little bit cruel not to let kids watch TV, though, to a certain extent, because then they do become ostracised and they are viewed as different by their peers in the playground. And I think that is perhaps slightly unfair. But we don't let the boys watch any of our rubbish. Nina and the Neurons, which is very good. Not just because Nina's hot. Uh, it, it is. Um, Mr Maker and um, old Salt, uh, Salty Jack, is that a programme? Old Jack's Boat. Old Jack's Boat. It's got Bernard Cribbins in. It's very good. It's like, basically, it's Jack and Nori, but set on a boat. Salty Jack, I think it's called. Maybe that's something else. 08459 555555. Could you survive without your television? I suspect if you couldn't, there's something slightly wrong with you. What's the, the EastEnders? What's the point of EastEnders? Oh, it's just it's awful. There is no point to it. Dear BBC, save yourself a load of money. Get rid of EastEnders. How much does EastEnders cost a year? It's got to be a few million. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. You shouldn't be doing junk like that. You should be paving the way with brave educational programmes. Not some tat. Sell it to Channel 5. Desmond would buy it. Sell it to Channel 5. 08459 455 555. Front page of the newspapers. There's a lady pushing a a shopping trolley. That's no ordinary lady. That's the Duchess of Cambridge. She's been shopping in Waitrose, guys. Slightly more importantly, the Daily Telegraph says, uh, Cameron, we must act now against Syria. PM sets out case for military strikes on Assad amid widespread public scepticism over British involvement. We'll be looking at uh, Syria a little bit later on. Um, Oh, and Matt Matt has got a very, very uh, amusing take on Syria. He's tied in two stories here, Matt. He's the the comic uh, artist, the the, the cartoonist. He's very, 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 very clever. It's a picture of two uh, admirals poking their heads out of a submarine. Prepare to launch the cruise missiles on Syria, everyone's thinking. No, no, no. We have orders to attack a badger set. Well done, Matt. Excellent work there indeed. Really? It costs 3.5 pence for each episode of EastEnders per per viewer. Still too much. Still to get rid of it. Rubbish. Utter, utter tosh. The Independent. The heir to Blair. Cameron makes moral case for attack on Syria in echo of justification for the Iraq war. Guardian. Attack on Syria just days away. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Really. The Times. West set for missile strike. Oh, dear. The Daily Express. Well, yesterday they had uh, Princess Diana, um, and uh, what was the other the, the other key story? Anyway, today they've got arthritis cure. Do you know what the cure for arthritis is? Broccoli. Oh, for goodness! How are they allowed to print this guff? Complete and utter balls. Broccoli key to beating the disease. Eating broccoli could prevent arthritis. British scientists revealed today after making a breakthrough discovery. Oh, for goodness sakes. And they've got Princess Diana. Daily Mail, thousands dying of thirst on the NHS. And this is a story we're going to look at in a little bit. Uh, Jamie Oliver, migrant workers are tougher than the British. We'll look at that in a bit. And The Sun, footy union chiefs £100,000 bets debt. Football's... I can't, I can't be bothered. A man, a man has gambled a lot of money and he now regrets it. Well, good for him. 08459 455 555. How much TV do you watch? Do your kids watch? Could you get rid of your TV? If you couldn't, I, I think there's something vaguely sad about that, that we're so dependent on our television for entertainment and information, when most of it is utter, utter 
balls. It is. It's rubbish. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five six twenty nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still moving well on the motorways this morning. No trouble on the M25 in the roadwork section. Just having a look at the cameras actually right now. And it's all totally clear. And we're running pretty well on the M1 and the A1M so far this morning as well. Near the Hatfield Tunnel it's looking good. A little bit of fog lingering this morning. It's looking a little bit dense in places drifting across the M1. So visibility not 100%. Driving conditions not perfect. But everybody seems to be driving very sensibly. And no trouble has been uh, reported in. In High Wycombe there are a couple of problems. Hewenden Road, the A4128. This is closed for roadworks from Coates Lane to Valley Road. While the Amersham Road, the A404, has some temporary traffic lights up. They're doing gas main work at Hamilton Road, but they're hoping to have that work finished by tomorrow. Trains and tubes are running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. It's 6.30. News and sport now is Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The Milton Keynes North MP Mark Lancaster is hopeful that some of the workers made redundant at Wolverton's rail care will be re-employed. The NHS has been told that the lives of thousands of hospital patients could be saved every year if staff checked to see if their kidneys were working properly. Momentum appears to be building for military action against Syria, with the British and American governments continuing to argue their case for a response to deter the use of chemical weapons. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Arsenal have reached the group stages of the Champions League for the 16th year in a row after they completed a 5-0 aggregate victory over Fernabache. The Gunners won their second leg 2-0 last night with Aaron Ramsey scoring both goals. Arsene Wenger's delighted to have led his side into the group stages once again. Of course, it's uh, an, uh, an achievement because uh, if you look at the clubs in Europe who have done it, there have only three clubs who have done it in the whole uh, Europe. I hear a lot that it's not enough and I agree with that. But uh, still it shows that we have been remarkably consistent. But uh, our ambition is much higher than that and uh, I take that on board from everybody. It's a very different picture for the MK Dons. They were knocked out of the League Cup last night as they lost 4-2 at Sunderland. The Dons were leading 2-0 until the last 15 minutes with goals from Patrick Bamford and Isle McLeod before Sunderland's fight back. Nevertheless, Dons manager Carl Robinson was proud of his side. So my younger players tonight and my older players, I thought they, uh, they showed what a unique style that we've got and a very attractive style. I thought our ball retention was brilliant. But not just that, we play with an energy and a consistency that created chances. Watford are in action in the Capital One Cup tonight. Bournemouth are the visitors to Vicarage Road with the Hornets set to make changes to the team which drew against Nottingham Forest on Sunday. And also in the Capital One Cup, Stevenage are at Premier League side Everton tonight. Borough midfielder James Dunn says they can cause an upset. Yeah, no, obviously it is a big game against the Premiership, you know, but we're not going to go there and think that Premiership, we're, we're going to go there and we're going to go there for the win. You know, Cup games are different. They might, if we get in their faces, they won't like it. So we're, gonna, we're definitely going there for the win. We're not going for anything else. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at seven o'clock. I'm going to take a caller, Catherine. Right. And then I'm going to play a Bee Gees song. Yes. Uh, I'm going to, it's a brilliant song. I've got to get a message to you. It's oh, about, I like that one. It's a good one. It's about a bloke who's going to be hung. Yeah. And, but he wants to tell his girlfriend that he still loves her, despite the fact he's going to be hung. Hanged. Hanged. So while I'm uh, playing that, yeah. I want you to um, just imagine... <laughs> <laughs> I want you 
So just imagine the front cover of that Bee Gees book that I've lent you, okay? <laughs> oh, particularly that special portion. <laughs> Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Very naughty, but there is a cracking new Bee Gees biography out. It's brilliant. It really is a good read. Go and look at the front cover. Those trousers are very, very tight. Very, very tight. Uh, Good morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, migrant workers are tougher than English workers. Sure, you want to have your say on that. Also, Martin Luther King. He won't be on, obviously, but we'll be talking about his speech. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. But we were talking about how Public Health England um, want children to watch less TV. We was asking, could you get rid of your television, Mark in Bletchley? You got rid of your television. Good morning, Ian. Good morning, yes, Mark. Did. When, yeah. when did you get rid of it, and why? Um, well, in early part of 2009, uh, I, I, I've got this massive great cathode-ray tube, you know, television, so it's the real old type. Yeah. And um, so, uh, for, uh, right up until the middle of the year, I, I, I didn't put it on. I, I just, because I was in a job at the end of <laughs> dim and distant past, um, I, I just didn't watch it. I was, you know, I was too tired to watch it. Yeah. And I lost interest in it. And then I thought... You've not put it on for six months, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll get rid of it. So yeah. I did. I, I kept my licence up for a couple of years, in just in case Sorry? I got one back. You kept, you kept your licence up even though you didn't have a television? Yeah, well, just in case. You silly it. sausage. But no, I, 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 I just decided, I thought, that, that's it. I, I listen, oh, you know me, I listen to local radio a, a lot, Ian. But uh, no, I was, I, I lived without it. Do you, you, know? not, do you not feel, though, Mark, that you, you've missed out on things? You've missed out on Celebrity Big Brother, which is brilliant. Uh, the Walking Dead about zombies. The Olympics. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was saying to, uh, to, to Ollie, that the biggest problem is, is actually... I am now out of touch with a lot of things. If somebody says, like you mentioned those two Dragon's Den people, and anybody appears on the telly, oh, this is a new woman on telly and all this, and I'd have to Google them on the internet to find out what they look like now. It's... it's, I, I do feel... You go into a conversation and there's four people sitting around the table and they'll talk about Big Brother. Did you see that on Big Brother or did you see so and so? And I... It's the only time that I'll actually sit there and... Sorry, I can't. But is it? But maybe that, in some respects, that's a little bit sad, Mark. That so much of our conversation is artificially generated. It it is about television. Well, it's 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 just general. It is sort of you know. That's what I mean. It's um, those all those Olympics came. They went. Yeah. From, the, from the guy that jumped from the, you know, into the um, into the arena to the closing ceremony. The only bit of the Olympics I see was um, at the Cutty Sark. And um, um, so you saw it. You saw it real. You went and saw it and experienced no, it. No, I saw the torch. Oh. The only part. Well, of there the you go. Was the torch. Mark, very quickly. Would you be tempted to get a television back? No, no. I can live without it now. There we it go. Even Doctor Who. I used to like Doctor Who. Oh, it's rubbish now. You're missing nothing there, Mark. Thank you very much. Mark in Bletchley. Nick says, I haven't had a TV for four years. What happened four years ago that meant Mark and Nick both got rid of their TVs? I haven't missed it in the least, especially them dumb, moronic, so-called talent shows and things like BB. Oh, you're missing Lauren Harry's and, uh, um, uh, what's uh, the, the, what's the the gentleman that talks like that? Oh, what's his name? Oh, the dancer, the dancer, that's Michael Winner I'm doing, he's not, Louis, Louis Spence, that's it. I don't need or want to watch them, and then in capitals, because he's shouting it, I have got a life. 
08459 455 555. This is dedicated to Catherine Boyle, who will now be gazing at the front cover of the new Bee Gees biography. Enjoy, Catherine. Enjoy. The creature taunted me and he smiled Said, come and walk with me Come and walk one more mile Now for once in your life you're alone But you ain't got a damn There's no time for stuff gets so overlooked because of that ridiculous disco music they did two years after everyone else was doing disco. Their 60s stuff is the best. New York mining disaster, Massachusetts, and I've got to get a message to you. Man, there's a song. Dealey, which, uh, which period Bee Gees do you prefer? Uh, 70s. Sorry, disco. You like all that silly... You can tell by the way I just want to and you can't have and it's all over time and it's open and it's alright it's wow. okay you can look the other way we can try to understand you actually sound like the Bee Gees that's incredible I am like wow anyone can do that though no they can't it's not good singing listen the 60s stuff was great the tracks that you mentioned were great but the 70s stuff as well they took it on didn't they yeah two years after everyone else had dropped it, it off it doesn't matter though because anyone can go on. you can't try to understand the New York Times have fixed your man whether you're a mother Aware that you're a brother, you're still alive, still alive. <laughs> well, based on that evidence, um, maybe not everybody can. Now, listen, the reason 
we've got you on. It's a big story today. Lots of today's papers. The uh, chef, Jamie Oliver, has called British youth, quotes, wet behind the ears, unquote, saying that European immigrants are much tougher workers. Mm. The 30... 38 years old? He's younger than me? <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> Said that all of his restaurants would shut immediately if he had to find only British staff. Uh, he says uh, in an interview with Good Housekeeping, he has mummies phoning up for 23-year-olds saying to me, my son is too tired on a 48-hour week. Are they having a laugh? It's not pucker. Are they having a laugh? It's not pucker. <laughs> uh, he says our immigrant workers are much stronger and much tougher. Mm. I've heard this before from local businesses as well, Justin. People saying... Uh, I remember we talked ages ago about a scheme where young people were being encouraged to come in for work experience, and the English workers sometimes wouldn't turn up or yep. disappear after a day. The migrant workers would come in, do it, and go home and, 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 and you know, be happy to be working hard. I think it's because migrant workers are quite simply desperate for the work, aren't they? If you look at workers in this country, there are other options available to them. Migrant workers, I think it could be stereotypical, but the idea we've got is they work a lot longer and they work harder. So what I've done this morning, I've been talking to migrant workers uh, who are working in Lucerne, and I've been asking them whether they agree with Jamie Oliver's views, and this is what they had to say. I think the same, yeah. I think migrant workers work more than the British people, yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, because they have all those facilities and we don't have... They they know if they don't uh, they, if they, they know if they won't work, then they will get, you know, council benefits and all these things, but we know... We have to uh, work for our break and, uh, bread and breakfast. So that's the basic logic behind that. I, what I think is... I mean, do you think that will ever change? Do you think it'll always be that way, that British workers don't quite work as hard as migrant workers? Yeah, if they are given a tough time and, uh, and they, they reduce the benefits and all these things, then definitely they will have to go out to, to find some work. Now they know if they, if they won't be working, they, they, will still, they will be still getting the same you know, benefits and housing and all these things. Angelica, you've been living in the UK now for for two years, working in the UK. Um, In your experience, do you think that British workers are a bit lazy from what you've seen? Uh, Do you think that that migrant workers like yourself, you work harder than British people? I'm working harder because I want to save some monies and go back to my country and start running my own business. So that's why I'm working harder. But I don't think so. The British ones are lazy or something like that. They need to pay the mortgage or the bills as well so they work as hard as they can i think so i hope so (laughs) but certainly in the last two years you haven't thought to yourself british people they're really really lazy you haven't been phoning home saying i'm working really hard they've got it easy and they get away with it you certainly haven't seen that in your experience of the last two years here uh in the previous work i was working with a british lady Oh, she's really nice. And um, she's just before the, her retire, and she's working really hard. So I confirm that the British can working hard as well. I think British workers, they, uh, they have alternatives. So obviously, if I have to work really hard, or uh, the second option is to, to, to get an easy office job, I would go for the, the easy option. I mean, I'm sure everyone will agree if they have the... Um, the hard-working job or second option is an office job, I would go for the second option, really. Is that because you're saying they've got parents at home and they can fall back on their parents if need be? Yes, they don't need to work hard um, because, you know, there's always alternative. There's always support from parents, people around, uh, maybe the government. Justin, uh, thank you very much. Justin Delia there speaking to migrant workers. Well, what do you think? Migrant workers are tougher than British workers. 
Jamie Oliver saying that. He was, his, his restaurants would shut immediately if he only had to find uh, British staff. 08459 455 555. Is Jamie Oliver being a little bit harsh, a little bit unfair? Maybe you run a business and maybe you can dispute uh, Mr Oliver's assertions. Or maybe you agree, maybe you, you, you do run a small business, a shop or a restaurant, and you've had English staff, British staff, and they just don't have what it takes. They are a little bit wet around the ears. A bit lazy compared to the migrant workers. 08459 455 555. Migrant workers are tougher than British workers. Do you agree? 6.45, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel. Here's Adam. Oh, that's not Adam, that's the Pointer Sisters. Oh, dear. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, that would have been different, to say the least, but I would have liked it. Station Road, Steeple Morden, it's closed off. Bridge maintenance work still ongoing at the junction with the A505. It's where the closure's in place, and it's while they do work on the railway bridge. Pretty lengthy diversion around that one. It is signed, though, and the work is by Ashwell and Morden Station, of course. North Orbital Road, it's quite busy as you make your way down toward London this morning. The A405, a little bit slow at the Park Street roundabout, also a little bit slow on the approach to the M25. Once you're on the motorway, though, it's moving quite well. Apart from a little stretch looking slow into the roadworks around Junction 25, Frenfield and Chesant. Then the M1 southbound. There's a lane closed on the exit slip road at Junction 2, Five Ways Corner. That's the A41 and the A1 as you go in toward London there. Apart from that, the rest of the motorways are looking good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 46, uh, Wednesday the 28th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Milton Keynes MP, Mark Lancaster, is hopeful that some of the workers made redundant at Wolverton's Railcare will be re-employed. The NHS has been told that the lives of thousands of hospital patients could be saved every year if staff checked to see if their kidneys were working properly. In sport, Crystal Palace are the first Premier League team to be knocked out of this season's League Cup after they were beaten 2-1 at Bristol City. Coming up, it's the 50th anniversary of the Martin Luther King I Have a Dream speech. We'll be uh, talking about that, but before, let's get the weather with Wendy Hurrell. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Bit of a foggy start out there in places, so go carefully for the next couple of hours before it starts to lift and clear away. It's also been a bit of a nippy night in a few places too. Temperature at Luton at the moment, 12 degrees Celsius. So it is going to slowly get going the day. We will have some sunshine breaking through, but I think the most persistent foggy spots will have to wait until maybe 9 or 10 o'clock this morning before it does clear away properly. For us all, though, it will be a generally sunny afternoon and there will be temperatures up to around 22 or 23 degrees degrees Celsius. A fine evening follows on and overnight once again a lot of clear sky and light winds and so we may have one or two further mist or fog patches developing but it probably won't be quite as widespread and we start the day tomorrow with a temperature generally around 11 or 12 degree at the lower end and we will have some sunshine to look forward to first thing tomorrow as well but by the end of the day a little bit more cloud in the sky from the weak weather front crossing through. Temperatures still in the low 20s tomorrow so perfectly pleasant into the afternoon despite a bit more cloud. Now that should clear 
clear through for a sunny start to Friday as well, with temperatures reaching 22, 23 degrees Celsius. But once again, there will be more cloud towards the end of the day and a little bit of light rain overnight into the weekend. But fear not, the weekend is looking lovely. A little bit fresher, perhaps, 19 or 20 degrees Celsius, but there will be plenty of sunshine to enjoy. That's how it's looking for now. Thank you very much. Five days, days, nine matches, matches. and one place to hear them all. The football marathon concludes tonight here on BBC Three Counties Radio. And Murray scores with a fine first-time finish. There are two more games from the League Cup second round. Watford hosts Bournemouth at Vicarage Road and Stevenage travel to Everton from the Premier League. Low ball in, it's turned in! See how our teams fare in Three Counties Sport. Tonight from 7 on BBC Three Counties Radio. As the southern wind sings again a night of lullaby You could jump right in Let the music pull you in You could jump right in Or lose yourself again As the southern wind sings again a night of lullaby There's a place the locals go The clouds of misty mountain Water from this stone below Becomes a blue-green fountain As the southern wind sings again And I lullaby You could jump right in Let the music pull you in You could jump right in Or lose yourself again As the southern wind sings again And I If you get the notion, stop on by and play a while Simple tune to get your love light glowing Keep your heart wide open, disappear just like the tide Let it roll on by And jump right in Let the music pull you in You can jump right in Or lose yourself again As the southern wind sings again And not a lullaby Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't forget you can give me a call any time this morning. We're asking, could you live without your television? I suspect, sadly, 
most of us would struggle to do that. It's such an integral part of our lives. Most of our conversations uh, are about what we saw on TV. We don't talk about what we've done, our experiences, our life, our loves, our passions. 08459 four double five five double five, and also... Keen to get your, your views. Uh, I, I thought when we uh, mentioned that Jamie Oliver said that migrant workers were tougher than British workers, that loads of you would phone up and, and defend British workers. But you haven't. Which makes me think you must probably agree with Jamie Oliver then. Is that, have I got that right? That you, you're agreeing that migrant workers are tougher than British workers? Really? I can see some logic behind it. I've told you before how I got uh, 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 work done on my previous house with Polish workers because they were cheaper and they worked harder. They did a cracking job as well. What do you think? Migrant workers, are they tougher than British workers? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr or you can send me a text 81333 start your text 3cr we've heard it from lots of businesses before uh, on this show that uh, migrant workers are, are keener and not had the word tougher necessarily but certainly keener and more prepared to work and put in the effort that's required to work what do you think? What's your experience? Maybe you are a British worker or you're, you're a, a British person looking for a job and struggling because maybe you're, in your opinion, migrant workers are, are, are nicking your jobs. Give me a call. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. You can send me a text as well. 81333. Start your text. 3CR. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Martin Luther King. We're playing that um, simply to to tip our hat to the fact that it's 50 years ago today that uh, Dr Martin Luther King delivered what has become a defining speech of the American civil rights movement. Over a quarter of a million people squeezed into every inch of space at the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. on August the 28th, 1963. Well, over the last few days, you've probably seen on the news, thousands have returned to the U.S. Capitol to ponder on King's dream and the current state of civil and human rights in America. Thought it was appropriate to to tip our hats to Martin Luther King slightly. Speeches don't really have any effect anymore, do they? Can you think of the last time a speech really inspired really inspired people and made a difference? I can't think of any speech that... Producer Tara, you're, gonna, you're about to type something. Don't type something. Come and, uh, come and tell me. What, 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 you obviously have a speech in mind. You can move that. Your mic's turned off. Don't worry. There we go. You're on now. Go on. Well, I think I was quite inspired by... <laughs> Boris Johnson when he was talking about the success of the Olympics. I know it sounds really a bit weird now, but he was so sort of rabble-rousing that it was like, yeah, yeah go Boris, go, yeah, but, but what just did, go. <laughs> <laughs> but what did he say? I mean, he's always rabble-rousing. Even when he's hosting Have I Got News For You, he's rabble-rousing, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's just... He does it so well. I think when he speaks sometimes, yeah. you kind of think, yeah, you're not like a normal politician, and sometimes that's why yeah. he's so good at what he does, because 
he he speaks in a way that is not expected from somebody in his position. So his speech, what, made you feel proud to be British? Made you yeah, feel we'd achieved something? Right oh, for yeah. goodness sakes, you surprise me sometimes. I let's, surprise myself. Let's, let's throw that out there, shall we? When was the last time you heard a speech by a politician or, or by anybody, really, that, that made you feel something? Speeches nowadays, they're all written by teams of people. They're all read on auto cues. Oh, they're de- you know those glass th- things when politicians give speeches? They're kind of either side of them are glass squares. They're reading the speech off of those squares, dear listener. They can see the words on the other side. Yeah, I know. I've used them. They're weird. When was the last time a speech enthused you? Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Jamie Oliver has said migrant workers are tougher than British workers. Uh, Ian's on the line. Morning, Ian. Morning, Ian. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. Do you agree with Jamie Oliver? Migrant workers are tougher than British workers. No, of course they're not. They're just easier to push around. They'll work for less money and they'll make Jamie Oliver more money. But uh, but uh, what do you mean by that? They're easier to push around. Because um, they're, they're, they're easier to. Uh, they'll work for minimum wage. They'll work long hours. They won't. So they'll just say yes, yes, sir, and and um, you know. Work long hours, get the money at a minimum wage, and send it back to where they've come from. But, but hang on, isn't working long and doing as your boss says and saying yes, sir? Isn't that what you're supposed to do in a job? Well, it's what you're, what you're supposed to do. But working for minimum wage and working long hours, and I'm sure Jamie Oliver exploits these people just to make himself richer. That's why. Uh, that's why he likes these local workers because people in Britain and Sudan turn around to him and um, tell him to get lost, basically. But. But again, you're kind of agreeing with Jamie Oliver in saying that they'll turn around and tell him to get lost because if the situation is you have to work long hours for minimum wage and British people won't do that, then that surely is a fault of the British people, isn't it? I wouldn't say it's a fault of the British people, but what we've got, um, if these people didn't come over, we'd have higher wages. So with all this immigration has meant that the people will do it for less money and therefore wages have gone down. And that's why people like Jamie Oliver get away with paying minimum wage um, for somebody washing pot for 18 hours a day. Ian, uh, thank you very much. I mean, I don't know how much Jamie Oliver is paying his workers. It'd be interesting to find out if it is minimum wage or if it's, if it's above that. What do you think? Uh, Ian thinks the, the, the immigration is the reason uh, that uh, these workers are prepared to be pushed around and paid minimum wage and British people have got higher standards. Well, can, can British people afford to have higher standards? 08459 Travel news for beds, hearts and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25, it's looking slow anti-clockwise from Waltham Abbey through to Enfield going into the roadworks. There are also patches of heavy traffic on the North Orbital Road. So as you come along the A405, expect it to look slow at the Park Street roundabout and also quite busy as you come down to the M25 at Junction 21A. The A1 into London through Boreham Wood queues from Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner and the M1 southbound into London. There's a lane closed off on your exit slip road at Junction 2. It's the A41 and the A1 at Five Ways Corner. Fulton had a call from Joyce this morning about Filmer Road in Leegrave round Luton. Temporary traffic lights were up there last night causing some delays. We'll have a look and see if they're still causing a problem this morning. Trains and tubes running well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. British workers are wet behind the ears compared to the tougher migrant equivalents, as according to Jamie Oliver. Well, do you agree or disagree? 08459 455 555. Here's the news with Catherine Boyle. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
seven o'clock, the headlines. Glimmer of hope for redundant rail care workers. Moves towards intervention in Syria and Buckinghamshire care worker accused of neglect. BBC Three Counties Radio. The new owners of Wolverton's rail care say they're confident some of those made redundant will get their jobs back. More than 130 people were laid off when the rail maintenance firm went into administration. The managing director of Nor Bremser is Paul Goodfoot. We've now established a, a secure baseline and then we will be growing the business and that will create opportunities and people that worked here before of course are in a strong position to come and work for the company again. NHS hospitals could save thousands of lives every year by carrying out simple checks on the kidney function of patients, according to the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence. Here's Branwyn Jeffries. Around 20% of patients admitted to hospital for emergency treatment for one condition already also have impaired kidney function. This can be caused by not drinking enough vomiting, diarrhoea or the effect of their regular medication being combined with more drugs administered in hospital. NICE says the NHS could pick up these problems by a simple cheap blood test already available in hospitals. If kidney problems aren't diagnosed, they can rapidly become more serious. Momentum appears to be building for military action against Syria. It's thought contingency plans will be discussed today by ministers and military chiefs on the National Security Council in advance of tomorrow's recall of Parliament. The former British ambassador to the United States, Sir Christopher Mayer, is warning any intervention would carry enormous risks. It cannot be in the British national interest to see Assad disintegrate under the pressure of cruise missile attacks and whatever, whatever else may be done, such that his stocks of chemical weapons fall out of his control into the hands of uh, the jihadists, the extremist jihadists among the rebels. This is why this decision on what to do next is truly the decision from hell. A worker at a Buckinghamshire care home photographed apparently asleep on duty showed a callous disregard for people in her care, according to the prosecution at her trial. Henretta O'Fire faces 19 charges of neglect at Westlands in Olney. Miss O'Fire den- denies all charges and that case continues. The UK's first private medical school is about to be launched in Milton Keynes. The Buckingham Milton Keynes Medical School will receive no government funding. Instead, it'll be run as a not-for-profit venture by the University of Buckingham and the NHS Foundation Trust in Milton Keynes, where students will spend their clinical year. In sport, Arsenal have reached the group stages of the Champions League for the 16th year in a row after completing a 5-0 aggregate victory over Fernabache. The Gunners beat the Turkish side 2-0 in last night's second leg. And the weather cloudy to start, but brighter later with a top temperature of 22 degrees Celsius. That's 72 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's almost September. Be honest, you're looking forward to the kids going back to school, aren't you? Aren't you? Come on. I haven't seen my boys for four days. I get to see them today. I'm very excited. Very excited. We shall have an emotional reunion at an airport. Lots coming up between now and eight o'clock. As always, keen to get your views on these stories. In a couple of minutes, we'll have the latest on Railcare. The Wolverton-based company has been bought out, helping to secure the future for workers there. It's a good story. The celebrity chef, Jamie Oliver, has criticised the work ethic of British youngsters. In an interview for Good Housekeeping, he's described them as wet behind the ears and says he couldn't run his business if it wasn't for tougher immigrant workers. Well, is Jamie Oliver right? Right. 
And children are spending far too much time in front of the TV. That's the view of Public Health England. But could you get rid of your television? We've already heard from two people who got rid of their TVs four years ago. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. And you can give me a phone call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Workers at the troubled rail refurbishment firm in Milton Keynes say they are delighted that their future is now secure. German company Norbremser announced yesterday it was buying rail care, securing more than 200 jobs at the firm's two sites in Wolverton and Glasgow. They will now pay the salaries of the employees who hadn't been paid since they went into administration. Paul Goodfoot, Managing Director of Norbremser UK, told our reporter Sophie Solaria the plans for the future. Paul, I have to say, I've just driven up here not very long after the announcement's been made and already your signs, your Norbremser signs are up. We're quick off the mark, right? <laughs> it's a sign for the future, I hope. Tell me yeah. what this future entails now for the people of Railcare. This is a tremendous opportunity for everybody. Uh, we believe that the market is, uh, is going to grow and uh, combined uh, Norbremser and Railcare Together we can uh, realise those opportunities, so we'll be growing the business in the future. So there isn't a concern for the reasons that Railcare closed, that that you would inherit these problems? I don't see that we will be focusing on problems in the future. I think we'll be looking as to what we can do with the skills and the experience that we have here and combining it with the knowledge of Knorr Bremser and building the future. So I think the past is the past. What are you going to do next? Next Have you got a plan? Make sure that the customers are placing orders with us, right? Make sure everybody's confident. Uh, Make sure our suppliers are confident about the future and uh, restore business as usual. When you announced the news to the um, workforce today, what was the feeling like? What reaction did you get? I would say they were very happy, jubilant, excited. And, uh, yeah, I think they they feel very confident uh, looking at Knorr Bremser as as the owner in the future. So, Paul, you've brought me to the heart of the site. What's this area? Okay, so this is a a workshop, and this is where we're actually inspecting one of the vehicles. How do you feel about saving a company with 175 years of history? I think it's a great feeling, right? But it's great for the employees, and it's great for the customers, because this will continue to deliver something of value. How many people work here now, and how many jobs have you saved? So, I mean, let's say there's, there's 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 more than 130 people based here and their jobs are now secure. What about those people that had to be let go prior to you getting here? In the future we hope to rebuild the business and we will be re-employing people. We've now established a a secure baseline and then we will be growing the business and that will create opportunities for new jobs and, and people that worked here before of course are in a strong position to come and work for the company again. That was um, Paul Goodfoot, Managing Director of Norbremser UK, talking to our reporter Sophie Solaria. Well, look, I mean, Ruby's son is still working for Railcare, having secured the, uh, sorry, having escaped the redundancies. Good morning, Ruby. Good morning. You must be delighted. Absolutely. Absolutely. As is uh, my son and I think just about everybody else there. It's, um, 
it seemed to be a long time coming, but um, I, su- I suppose it wasn't really. It was a couple of weeks. Well, it's it's not been that long, but it's it, it's been so tense that it, time must have just slowed down around this for you and your family. Oh, it's been dreadful. Uh, it was the way it was handled initially, I think. But, um, yeah, looking to the future now, and hopefully... Um, you know, he's going to be there for a good few more years. So when did, when did you find out? Did your son give you a phone call or something? He did. He um, uh, called me yesterday morning to say they'd had a meeting with, with the new MD, and it was all looking good, basically. You've heard there Paul Goodfoot. Uh, he, he's sounding very optimistic, sounding yeah. very positive. What do you think about what he's had to say? Well, it sounds, sounds amazing. Let, let's hope that um, everything goes to plan. How worried... Listen, we're all protective of our boys, of course we are. How worried were you for your son when his job and his money and his future was was hanging in the balance? I was very worried for him. It wouldn't have mattered if it would have been this time last year, but this year, he, um, you know, he's got a mortgage, he's literally just moved into his own place, and, you know, it was terrible for him. And it was how, very worrying. Well, I was going to say, how, how has he been, and what, what has he said to you about how he's been feeling the last few weeks? Well, he, he, he's a lad, so they don't really show their feelings, but as a mum, you know that um, he was very stressed, I know he was. Very, very concerned, and also very upset for those that have gone, you know, friends, his friends, that he's worked with for many years. So hopefully, it would be great if they did re-employ those that want to be re-employed, definitely, because... Um, you know, that, that was absolutely dreadful, the, the way they were told. And Well, I know, they, I know that Mark Lancaster, the MP, is, is hopeful that at least some of those uh, um, workers who lost their jobs will, will get their places back, and that would be fantastic. It would be. Who, who do you give credit to for this, Ruby? How do you think this, this, this turned around? Well, Three Counties Radio have been covering it, haven't they, from um, day one. So yourself and Justin for having me on the radio mm-hmm. initially. Um, I think it's a combination. I think you've got to give a little bit of credit to everybody because I don't see... Obviously, we don't see what's going on in the background. I did try to explain this to my son yesterday, but, mm. but there were MPs that were doing their very best, that the union were also doing their very best. So a combination of everything, I think. But You're right. The unions and, and, and Mark Lancaster, and I, at a very tiny extent, us, wouldn't let this, this story um, lie. And I think that, that is important. It that, does that help. It really does help. Uh, how's your boy celebrating, Ruby? Um, well, he did say it's my birthday this week, so uh, I have a bottle of champers, so I think it'll be a, a big celebration all round. Whose birthday? Yours or his? Mine. Oh, am I, am I allowed to ask? <laughs> 54. Hey, you're, you're a spring chicken, Ruby. That's yeah. nothing. <laughs> well, listen, have a lovely birthday, and it's, it's great, always great to have a bit of good news around your birthday, isn't it? Oh, oh, and a big thank you to the Crawford Arms as well, because they really did lift their spirits. For two weeks, they fed them, didn't they? Yep. And I think those that, that went in for a meal did say, if and when things get sorted out, they will be putting some money across the bar and going in there and eating and, and having a few beers and that. So Fantastic. They were lovely. Ruby, listen, best of luck to you and your boy. Thanks very much for coming on. And thank you. You're very, very welcome. There we go. You see... Isn't it nice to have a, a, a good story at the top of the hour? It makes a difference, doesn't it? That's Ruby, whose son uh, is still working for Rail Care and uh, has escaped the redundancies and will now get paid some money. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. So you go to the front page of the Daily Mail. There's um, Jamie Oliver with uh, his wife, Jules. I'd say he's batting out of his league ever so slightly there. Uh, Jamie, migrant workers are tougher than the British. See page 11. I go to page 11. Skip past page 5 where there are a picture of two thieves in their pants. 
Page 11. Why I can't rely on Brits to staff my restaurants by Jamie. Jamie Oliver has launched a withering attack on lazy young British workers. He's talking about you. Claiming that without his tougher immigrant staff, his restaurant empire would grind to a halt. Having built up a £150 million fortune and a reputation as one of the world's most successful chefs, Oliver employs more than 350 chefs in restaurants, which helps get uh, unemployed. The 38-year-old celebrity chef uh, has revealed his frustration at the lack of drive shown by work-shy Britons and that relying on them would force his restaurants to close. He says, this is a quote, The average working hours in a week was 80 to 100. That was really normal in my 20s. But the EU regulation now is 48 hours, which is half a week's work for me. And they still whinge about it. Steve's in Luton. Morning, Steve. Morning. Immigrant workers are tougher than the lazy British (laughs) workers. That's a bit of a wrong um, conclusion. It's down to society. You can't cane your children. You can't discipline. You can't sort of really drill it into them because, you know, they know too much information than too many human rights. We've got to be tougher with our children. And also, with the people in Britain have been used to a, a standard of life for the last 20 or 30 years, and when some people come along and take the jobs and cut your wages, people get a bit naffed off about foreigners coming in. And obviously, these big companies are, are exploiting these for, um, Steve, foreign workers as well. You, you, so, say- uh, you can't have it always. You can't say that someone, if I don't like a foreigner, I'm classed as racist. But it's all right for big mm. companies to mm. make millions and millions and exploit foreigners who don't know any better, to a certain degree. Steve. And it's wrong. Steve, you've raised a couple of interesting points there that I'd like to address. First, of all, first of all, you said um, that people are used to a, a certain way of life and they don't want to lower their standards. Well, hang, no. on, hang on a second. Do you remember World War II? People were well, used to a certain way of life and then the Luftwaffe bombed their houses. They got on with it. They lowered well, their standards and their sights. Well, they had no choice, really. Well, and we but have no have... choice but to lower our standards and our sights ever so slightly. Yeah, you might do. Yes, I understand what you're coming from. But why, why is it... Why is all these businesses more pro-foreign than pro-British? What is wrong with them? What is wrong with looking well, after your own? This is, you know, this if is I had in- a kid, would I look after me next-door neighbour's kid and let the kid go on the dole and say, I'll go and well, hang on. use this, I'll get my next-door neighbour at work. Hang on me. a minute. You, 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 but but who, is, who is to blame here? Is it the, bus- the government. Well, no, is it the businesses who are employing well, foreign workers, or is yeah. it the British workers who won't lower their sights and their standards a little no, bit? The problem is they haven't been brought up. They've been brought up with left-wing schooling system Ponty, you can't cane a child. You can't just How is instill Listen, you can't instill no. the proper way of life. No. These kids have got to be told. And schools go, oh, here you go, Johnny. This is one and one. Here we go. La, la, la. You know, they talk like no. puffs to kids. And they come out right, going, oh, right. yeah, life's like this. Steve, just watch your language. You can't use the word puffs on radio anymore. It's not oh, 1976. It's a free country. No, it's, you well, just it's, said we had a world war. We had two world wars. Yeah. Yep. Speak their mind and democracy. Well, no, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Stephen, no, Stephen, 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 you can't say that word because you what? don't have free speech. You certainly don't have free speech on the radio. You certainly don't well, have free speech well, on BBC radio. There well, are laws. Democracy. Well, no. God, the law. That's what we had two world wars No, for, Steve, we did not have two world wars, so you could say puff on BBC Three Counties Radio. And the same as the schools, and that's why our kids are not users. It's the schools and government. I'm not having it. I'm not listening to your baloney. Boy, fuck yourself, you. Whoa, 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 Steve, you just got yourself a lifetime ban. Apologies there. Apologies there, Steve, you just got... I, I enjoy our banter, you just got yourself a lifetime ban. You're not coming on here again. Apologies there if anybody was offended. It was a Category A swear word. We don't encourage or, or endorse bad language on this station. He got away with a couple of minor infractions. 
Maybe I should have raised the red card a little bit earlier. We certainly won't be uh, allowing Stephen back on uh, this station at all. Again, apologies if you've got young ears listening. It's not the kind of language we want on the radio. Let's move on swiftly, shall we? 7.16, let's get the travel with Adam. Let's hope he can watch his potty mouth. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the M25, anti-clockwise. Slow-moving traffic this morning, Waltham Abbey to Enfield into the roadworks section. It's also very slow as you make your way from the M1 round to Kings Langley, junction 21 to 20. And there's heavy traffic, Maple Cross to the M40 now as well. Again, anti-clockwise, junction 17 to 16. Slow into London on the A1. There are delays southbound from Apex Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. It's not a massive queue yet, but looking at the cameras around there, it is definitely slow. And you might encounter a bit of trouble on the M1, Again, it's into London southbound. There's a lane closed on the exit slip at Junction 2 because of a broken down vehicle. That's as you leave the motorway and head for the A41 and the A1 at Five Ways Corner. No disruption on the trains or tubes this morning. Of course, if you spot something, call us 08459 Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. 717. Again, apologies to anyone who was offended by uh, Steve's use of indoor language there. And if you've got young ears, I hope it didn't uh, create an uh, inappropriate, awkward moment there. Right, it's uh, Wednesday the 28th of August. It's 17 minutes past seven. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The new owners of Wolverton's Railcare says they're confident some of those made redundant will get their jobs back. NHS hospitals could save thousands of lives every year by carrying out simple checks on patients' kidney function, according to the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence. In sport, Aaron Ramsey scored twice as Arsenal beat Fenerbahce. Is that cloud? Oh, Two nil last night and five nil on the magical aggregate system to reach the group stages of the Champions League. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Cloudy to start, brighter later with a top temperature of 22 degrees. Coming up, we'll try and get a civilised discussion about migrant workers, shall we? Thank you. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine, the JVS Show. You just can't carry on with life. It, I mean, it's just awful. With the biggest opinions. It's about time somebody or an organisation stood up and basically snort the coffee. Well, it depends on the individual, actually. Let's pollute the planet even more. We should pollute it so much your Pinot Grigio goes rotten. And the biggest local talking points. What we really need to do is for everyone in, in the country to reduce their energy consumption, not increase it. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if uh, you want to give me a call. Now, could you get rid of your television? A few Facebook comments on this. I'll go to those in a minute. Uh, Children are spending too much time in front of their screens, whether it's watching the TV or playing video games or with their Nexus pocketbook things. According to Public Health England, it's having a worrying effect on their well-being and anxiety. It's encouraging families to adopt healthier behaviours and lifestyles as children prepare for the new school year. Could you get rid of your television? Well, uh, Justin Dealey has been out getting your views this morning. Justin, you're not a, a big TV fan, are you? I used to be a massive TV fan, but I think um, certainly in the last year or so that my lifestyle has changed. But I do love the tacky TV programmes. You love, like, um, TOWIE and yeah. all that nonsense, Made the in only, Essex. The Only Way is Essex. The Only Way is Essex. Geordie Shaw, Splash, anything that's rubbish, 
I'm going to be there, Ian, because it makes me smile. It takes me away from, from everyday life. Whoa, it's I, escapism. Oh, I thought you were watching those programmes that were filled with scum because <laughs> they were they were your kind of people. You identified with them. So I could relate to them. Right, yeah. Yeah, but that's not the Quite case. possibly. Okay. Uh, Coronation Street as well. How could you not like Coronation Street? Uh, I'm not. I, I used to be obsessed with Coronation Street. I don't. I don't really watch. I don't watch any of the soaps now. I do. I, I do like a little bit of trash. I do like a bit of Big Brother. Yeah. Uh, but but the people people get very snobby about certain programs, and I think you can enjoy your highbrow David Starkey history programs, and you can also enjoy you know Louis Spence yes. mincing around inside a Big Brother house. Of course you can. Just enjoy. I mean, I used to have a TV in my bedroom. No, no, Re- no, no. Recently, I've got rid of that. Oh, well done. And I'm sleeping a lot better. Yeah. It's not all about TV. Late at night as well. What, what is it? No, I don't want to know. You've been out speaking to people, Justin. What have they been saying? Yeah, I've been asking them the question, could they give up the TV? And this is what people had to say. Martina, could you give up your TV, do you think? No, I couldn't. Can you tell us why? <laughs> um, it's a way of relaxing. I enjoy it. Your favourite shows? Come on, impress me, Martina. Uh, I'm sort of a bit of a coronation girl, which oh. I know is a bit sad. But no, I love it. Do you know what? On a Monday, it's a double episode. Huh? And a Friday, it's a double episode. I turn my phone off. Huh? I've got my ribeye steak. I love Mondays and Fridays. Can't beat it. Mm. Elaine, I've just spoken to a lady there who said, I could never give up my TV. Could you give up your TV? Yes, definitely. You honestly could? I could, yes, yes. Best thing about holiday, the fact there's no telly, there's no phone, there's nothing. It's brilliant. Should I have holidays all the time? <laughs> that would be lovely, wouldn't it? <laughs> wouldn't it just? <laughs> well, have you got a favourite TV show? Is there one show you can't miss? Uh, oh, I can miss them all, but to be honest, I do like Celebrity Big Brother at the moment. Because um, you catch up, though, because it wasn't for... Was it, Adverts. If the fact you can fast forward is brilliant. Yeah. If you couldn't do that, I, oh, I wouldn't bother watching it at all. Surely you miss it. If your TV was taken away, you miss Big Brother, wouldn't you? No. <laughs> Definitely not. You just watch it no. because it's there. Because it's saying there's nothing else on. Yeah. And you're a Geordie living here in Bedfordshire. How long have you lived in Bedfordshire for? Oh, gosh, about 22, yeah, 23, yeah. The accent's still there. Go on, give us a quick why I man. Go on. Why I man. Are <laughs> we the lads? Um, it would be very hard, but I think, yeah, push comes to shove, yeah. There's plenty of other medias, radio. Yeah, I think I could. I think so. Save a lot of money as well. <laughs> yeah, probably easily. Yeah? Yeah, don't get enough time to watch the rubbish it's on now. It's interesting because we've heard from a couple of listeners already saying that they gave up their TVs four years ago. Do you think very soon you might give yours up then? I've got more chance of giving up the missus, but, uh, yeah, the two... <laughs> no, I wouldn't give it up. I think it's, it's got to be there in the background to relax, but, uh, yeah, it depends on what's on. I think we put too much weight on television, Justin. I, I watched... Well, I didn't watch any television when I was away. All I saw was Toy Story 3 38 times and uh, Willy Wonka uh, about 15 times. Uh, uh, but I didn't miss it. I didn't, I didn't miss watching the news. I didn't, I didn't miss anything. Oh, Justin's gone. Thanks very much. <laughs> he bailed out. I missed Justin. He bailed out on me. Um, we can talk now to writer, broadcaster and volunteer mentor, Lindsay Johns. Morning, Lindsay. Good morning, Ian. Lindsay, you haven't got a television. That is correct. Shock, horror, gasp from your audience. And do you know why? Why? It's very simple. I like to keep it real. Books and the radio have far better pictures. I like to use my imagination. I've, I, I've often said that Radio 4 is the best television channel there is. Uh, wh- how long ago did you get rid of it? And what was the, the, the decision? When I was young, I'll be very honest, I sat in front of the goggle box. I had square eyes. I watched so much TV as a kid. But then when I l- went to university... I found I was so busy, didn't need it, and all through my adult life, I've never had one. All through your adult life? Absolutely correct. I mean, don't get me wrong, for me, it's about horses for courses, each to their own. But the way I see it, 
for me, for the last 3,000 odd years, yep. the very best which has been fought and felt or from humanity, you know, fought and felt by humanity's greatest minds has been written down in books or parchment or papyrus. TV is a very, very modern technological invention, you know, the last 70 or 80 years, if that. For me, reading it augments your vocabulary, increases your word power. Um, my mum used to say to me, you're never lonely with a book, son. Uh, do you not miss you mean huge events that bring the world together, like uh, the Olympics, for example, or Last of the Summer Wine? Something big like that. Do you not miss those those events? Something big like Last of the Summer Wine? Au contraire. No, not at all. I get I get the news from the radio um, or the computer on the internet, and if I'm very very honest, you know, it makes your brain work. Your imagination kicks into overdrive. I'd, actually, if I'm honest, I would rather imagine Usain Bolt running 100 metres than actually watching him. Um, and if I, if, I, if I have to tell the truth, I think that 95% of contemporary television is utter rubbish. Oh, I'd go even, I'd say even more, though. I'd say 99% more of it is, is rubbish. But, you know, um, but some of it, but, but Lindsay, so, uh, some of it is, um, is brilliant. Some of it is art. You can get art and you can get life-affirming uh, programmes and uh, educational programmes. There are some wonderful TV programmes out there. Of course there are, and of course you can get. But in, in my opinion, they are certainly in the minority, and I think that's probably about 5% of the television output. If, if I'm honest, I'm tired, um, back when I used to watch TV, of constantly being talked down to and patronised mm. as a viewer. I want somebody to talk up to me if they're presenting a, a challenging documentary. But like as I say, I don't want to come across as some massive intellectual fascist. It's horses for courses, yeah. whatever makes you happy. But when I'm doing my mentoring with young people, I often tell them to use the Spectator magazine's phrase, books are champagne for the brain. I also, also tell them, when you're watching television or when you're playing on that, you know, Xbox, the only person that you're watching is somebody else makes success of their life. The only person who's getting rich when you're um, clicking on that Game Boy is the person who designed the game. And I think we are very much in the, in, in the grips of this sedentary culture where it's all about instant gratification. It's the Xbox culture. It's the Facebook generation where it's the click of a mouse or the touch of a button. I mean, if we're honest, this three-minute attention span that this culture has, has cultivated, it's not conducive to deeper thought. Books and radio, you know, they, they build pictures in your mind over time. That is conducive to deeper thought. What reaction do you get from, from uh, friends or strangers when, when it comes out in conversation you don't have a television? Okay, to start with, it's that shock horror, oh my goodness, are you, are you on this planet? Are you a Martian? Do you have two heads? But if, 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 to tell the truth, I don't miss not being able to say, oh, did you see that program on the telly last night? Of no interest to me. I, I'm, I'm far happier with my books and my radio. Sounds like I was born in a different age, but that's the way it is. Dragon's Den is good, though. I'm sure there's... there's, there's do, you know, do you know Dragon's Den? Out. I've heard of it. Right, okay. This is I love it. This is because uh, I, I, I'm I, listen. I'm watching far less. I used to be a TV addict, and uh, but part of me thinks it's been beneficial to me. If I hadn't have watched as much television as I did as a kid in the 70s and 80s, I probably wouldn't have had a, a, a vague career in television. So I think it's been beneficial to me. But I do watch much less. But there are, you know, there are some great programs out there. They're, they're, I mean, things like The Walking Dead and Dragons Den. They, they entertainment. Where do you get your entertainment from? You can't just be entertained by books, however good books are, Lindsay. I love the I love books. I love the radio. I listen to a lot of music. And I go out to the theatre a lot. I like conversation. I think that you know it's it's a truism, but too many of our young people are raised on you know watching television mindlessly, staring at the screen yep. for hours. They find it very hard to hold a good old-fashioned conversation. For a start, a lot of young people nowadays, for lots of reasons, they can't even look you in the eye when they talk to you. 
I enjoy live entertainment. I enjoy going to the theater. I enjoy interacting with friends, socializing. Sounds very square, probably, to, to, the, to the modern world, but it does it for me. And for me, I guess books and, and radio, these things, they take me out of myself and they connect me with something bigger than myself. You know, Greek and Latin and, and, and medieval books or, or, or even contemporary poetry, whatever, or, or a good escapist novel. That, for me, rocks my boat. Lindsay Johns, thank you very much indeed. His, his boat is well and truly being rocked. He's a writer, broadcaster, volunteer mentor. Two years ago, I would have called Lindsay a nut job. Would have, would have really have thought there's something wrong with him. The older I get, the more I'm, I, I kind of like what he's saying. As you know, I've got rid of my iPhone. Uh, got rid of it. It's locked in a drawer. It's been deactivated, so it's been completely wiped. And I'm trying it for a couple of weeks to see how practical it is. Turns out it's pretty practical to have this brick that all it does is phone calls and texts. I check my emails in the morning, check my emails at night, boom. That's working for me. So I'm kind of getting around to the way of thinking. Actually, t- but I do like the odd TV programme. I do like a little bit of Xbox. I do like um, putting on a DVD from time to time. Could you get rid of your TV? Simple question. Could you get rid of your TV? 08459 455 555. Let's do a couple of these Facebook comments before we go to the travel. Uh, Ali says, got rid of mine in 2005. Leela says, we got rid of our TV licence a couple of weeks ago. We still have DVDs or catch-up TV online. Do you not need a TV licence to watch um, iPlayer and things like that? Because that's a nice little handy thing. Uh, We haven't missed it so far. We have a two-year-old who has never been allowed TV, occasional DVDs. Um, and on the text, Becky says, you can have my TV. I haven't, I haven't had time to watch it in weeks. Far too busy working and doing things. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. As well you know, I'm full of useless knowledge. You do not need a TV licence to watch catch-up television services. However, if you do want to watch something live online, then you do need a TV licence. There you go. A602, Stevenage. It's looking quite slow along the Hitchin Road this morning. There's heavy traffic as you come toward Corey's Mill Lane. It's mainly the M25 that's looking busy, though. Anti-clockwise is stop-start from back at the M11 now through toward the roadworks at Enfield. And then as you continue around to Potter's Bar, it's looking a little bit slow in patches as well. Then it's busy from the M1 to Kings Langley, Junction 21 to 20, and from Maple Cross to the M40, Junction 17 to 16. Into London, the A1 slow-moving as you come through Edgware, Apex Corner down to Mill Hill Circus and the M1 southbound. The exit slip road at Junction 2, Five Ways Corner, is partly blocked by a broken down vehicle. Traffic is coping pretty well past there though. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. headlines. I'm Catherine Boyle. The new owners of Wolverton's Railcare say they're confident some of those made redundant will get their jobs back. NHS hospitals could save thousands of lives every year by carrying out simple checks on patients' kidney function, according to the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence. And it's thought contingency plans for military action in Syria will be discussed by the National Security Council today, ahead of tomorrow's recall of Parliament. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Aaron Ramsey scored twice as Arsenal beat Fenerbahce 2-0 last night in the second leg of their Champions League playoff. The Gunners won the tie 5-0 on aggregate to reach the group stages of the competition and Arsene Wenger was delighted with Ramsey's performance. I like especially his second goal, you know, it's a good finish and uh, a year ago it would not have taken that chance 
the way he took it tonight. So he's improving from week to week. That's uh, very positive for us. Different picture for the MK Dons. They were knocked out of the League Cup last night as they lost 4-2 at Sunderland. The Dons were leading 2-0 until the last 15 minutes with goals from Patrick Bamford and Isle McLeod before Sunderland's fight back. Nevertheless, the Dons manager Carl Robinson was proud of his side. So my younger players tonight and my older players, I thought they, uh, they showed what a unique style that we've got and a very attractive style. I thought our ball retention was brilliant. But not just that, we play with an energy and a consistency that created chances. Watford are in Capital One Cup action tonight. Bournemouth are the visitors to Vicarage Road with the Hornets set to make changes to the team which drew against Nottingham Forest on Sunday. Gianfranco Zola's been impressed with his side's unbeaten start to the season and particularly their attacking play. It pleases me that going forward uh, um, we are, we've been affected in the second half. Uh, obviously I know that when Diego and uh, uh, Fabrini and uh, Fernando are on the pitch they can create problems with Ikechi as well. Also in the Capital One Cup tonight, Stephen Nidger away at Premier League side Everton. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at 8 o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555 is the phone number. You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. We're asking uh, this morning, could you get rid of your televisions? And do you agree with Jamie Oliver? He's on the front page of the Mail and a couple of other papers. Migrant workers are tougher than the British. He says he couldn't run his restaurants without migrant workers. What do you think? We've had uh, some very passionate arguments about it so far. 08459 555555. Now, back in July, our reporter, Paul Scoynes, covered a story about an well, incredible incident in Milton Keynes. Part of a loose road sliced through the bottom of a bus that was driving over it, injuring an elderly passenger, breaking both of her ankles. Let's just remind ourselves of what Paul Scoynes... Oh, hang on a second. Here it is. Sorry. Let's just remind ourselves of what Paul Scoynes had to say. another bus going past the bus stops here on Midsummer Boulevard. As you look out from the main shopping building, I can see the point across from me and Midsummer Place to my right. And the bus is passed in both directions uh, on this road where I'm standing. And as you look out to the road, you see these huge concrete blocks crisscrossing the road and uh, are used as well to mark the boundaries of the bus stops. And what I can see from just going and standing on one of them you can see that they're very loose indeed and they actually move quite a degree when you stand on them. You can also sort of hear the noise as you, uh, as you do stand on them and there's a number of these slabs which do the same. Um, this one here is, is also sort of surrounded by bricks and every time a bus goes over these slabs they move sometimes fairly violently as well uh, although I haven't seen any come out of their moorings although this is what appears to have happened just a week ago when in this spot a bus went over one of these slabs and it flew up and pierced the actual bottom of the bus Well that was Paul Scoynes uh, in July We had assurances on the programme from Conservative Councillor John Bint who is the Cabinet Member for Transport and Highways at Milton Keynes Council that the road would be fixed well, Peter Ballantyne is from the Milton Keynes Bus Users Group. He joins me on the line now. Morning, Peter. Uh, the, the road, I've not seen it myself. Is it all up to standard now, been sorted? Yeah, good morning. Well, the answer to that is no. Oh. Um, they closed the area uh, from Lower Ninth Street through to uh, Secular Gates to do the repairs. 
And we expected, after meetings, we had four meetings with the various council um, officers, and they assured us that they were going to make a proper job, and we're closing the area, and we agreed to that uh, while it was being done. What we found on Friday when the road was reopened was that there was a number of the marks, yet there were yellow marks where they were going to remove these blocks. Some of them still remain and are still loose. And there was white marked um, blocks which had not been touched, and they were moving. What was so hang on, how, how long was this, this section of road closed? For five days. Five days. And what, what actually had they done apart from put down yellow and white marks? Uh, well, they've removed a lot of these blocks quite a few of them, uh, particularly the ones with the yellow m- marks on them, and um, replaced it with a, a, a patchwork of, of tarmac. I can only say that we're very disappointed because we, in the meetings we were told that their whole area was going to be re-tarmac. Well, surely uh, the, the problem that happened with this, this unfortunate incident with this poor lady was, if I've got this right, the bus was going along, it dislodged, dislodged one of these loose slabs, and that went through the floor of the bus and broke the lady's ankles. You're t- are you telling me, Peter, that, that several of those loose blocks are still there? Are still there, and we are very concerned about it, and have sent a very heavily worded uh, email yesterday about it, haven't had a response so far, but I, I think our feeling is what we're trying to protect is obviously the bus user experience. And that lady is still in hospital after six operations and is not very well at all. That's nearly eight weeks later. And, you know, six six much, operations? Six operations, yeah. How, how bad? Well, obviously it's very bad if she's been in there for eight weeks and six operations. Do we know exactly what's wrong? Um, I think from what I'm here, I've heard is that the block not only broke ankles and, and other bones, it lacerated the legs very badly. And, and obviously a, a 60-year-old, it isn't something that um, uh, repairs very quickly. I, in fact, I spoke with the, the solicitor of the lady, and she said there was a, even an opportunity that the, the lady would lose a leg. So, I mean, we're taking it very seriously. These... these um, blocks were identified to the council over uh, 18 months ago that they were loose. We had meetings and meetings and we were assured that the job would be done properly. I think what our complaint really is, did anyone inspect the the road after the uh, contractor moved out to actually say, yes, it could be opened again? And I don't think anybody, because it was a Friday just before bank holiday, anybody looked at that road and assessed whether it was safe to, to use I, i'm sorry peter i'm finding what you're telling me absolutely incredible so this this, this woman who was injured just sitting on a bus yes. she's been in hospital for eight weeks yeah she's had six operations and there is a chance that she might lose a portion of her leg it's possible this is what i've been told by a solicitor well this is just incredible uh, and, and the, the the council have not sorted out the road properly well i think the disappointment for us is that in meetings with senior members of the transport department we were told that urgent work was going to be done and tarmacking was going to replace cobbles and uh, which are at the top of the road and also these channel dividers i mean over a period of years what's happened is obviously with 80 buses are now going through the area that the uh, they're called channel dividers by the way the channel dividers have become loose and it was not going fast. The bus wasn't going very fast. It just hit it at a particular speed, quite low, because they have to turn into the road. And, and it just lifted up and went through the floor. I mean, I've seen photographs of the, the damage, let alone the blood in, inside the bus. The, the damage to the bus was extensive. 
Peter, I'm, I'm shocked by what you're telling me. Thank you so much for coming on. That's Peter Ballantyne from the Milton Keynes Bus Users Group. Imagine that. You're on a bus. Or your mum or your nan is on a bus. Going to the shops. Suddenly there's an almighty racket. A big paving slab comes through the floor. Breaks your ankles. You're in hospital for eight weeks. Six operations. And now we're hearing... There's a chance that she might lose a portion of her leg. Well, listening to that is the councillor in charge of transport, John Bin. What's going on, John? There's a bunch of things going on that really aren't to anybody's satisfaction. Uh, I think the first thing to say is to reiterate our, our deep apologies to the lady concerned for an incident that shouldn't have happened. She's been in hospital for eight weeks, had six operations, might lose a bit of her leg. And everybody has said very much regret this, and we need to be getting on with fixing it. And well, why haven't you? You I closed am- the street for five days, and you haven't done it. I think the council has got a lot of explaining to do. I entirely agree with 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 Peter Ballantyne's very mildly expressed concerns over a job that appears to be handled ineptly last week. I think there is there is no explanation that he's been given or that I've been given as to why it took a week to not sort this area out and to reopen an area when it doesn't appear to have been inspected and doesn't appear to be safe. Who signed so, it off? Who, who gave it the thumbs up and said, yep, we're, we're happy with that? I don't know, and he doesn't know, and he's not been told, and I've not been told. You're the councillor in I charge think- of transport. I would have thought that it would have been your responsibility to go and give it the once-over. No, councillors do not, even the cabinet member does not have operational authority to go and do anything like that. We are responsible for setting policy and for holding the chief executive to account when that policy is not implemented. You must so know the name got... of the person, or the, the, you, the, there must be one person who has said, yep, yeah, we're happy with that. Who is it? The chief executive has overall responsibility. You know that he's David Hill. The corporate director responsible for this area is Linda Bull, and the assistant director responsible for highway repairs is John Pryor. So it's their fault. Collectively, they have a line manager responsibility to make sure that this is done properly. Sounds like you're passing the buck a bit, John. Sounds like you're passing the buck a little bit. You're accepting accepting no responsibility for this this farce. A councillor has no power to instruct contractors, to instruct individual staff to do anything. Then what are you doing? What's the point point of having a councillor in charge of transport? If when a woman's leg is damaged so badly she may lose a portion of that leg, you are unable to get the road fixed to a satisfactory level. What's the point of you being there? The point of me being there is to have this conversation to represent the public and say that this isn't satisfactory and to find out what the chief executive intends doing about it. Okay, when is the road... This when isn't it, satisfactory. The no. road state isn't satisfactory. There's another problem that occurred last week that 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 that, that Peter has kindly not alluded to, but but was deeply unsatisfactory. What happened last week? Arrange, that was the arrangements made for uh, while this work was going on. The arrangements made to direct members of the travelling public to alternative bus stops, which was also not done to my satisfaction and not done to his satisfaction. So people weren't told what bus stops they should be going to when this section of road was closed? There was a little information and it wasn't acceptable. So when is... Let's... okay. So this has been a complete cock-up in terms of getting the road fixed and how the public were treated. When When is the road going to be fixed properly? I need to have a conversation with the chief executive, the corporate director and the assistant director 
and that's due to happen shortly this week to find out who's in charge of this and what's going on and when they're going to fix it. You don't know who's... I'm, I'm really... I'm scratching my head that you don't know who's in charge of this. Well, I do know who's in charge. It's a complete management hierarchy. Well, what, then, I, what I don't know is which particular point in that hierarchy should have done this. I don't know whether anybody or several people inspected that road. I suspect nobody. Now, if nobody inspected it, it's quite difficult to say, well, which one of you thinks you should have inspected it? Someone has to take... No, 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 it's yes, not. It's, yes, no, John, it's, John, it's not difficult. Someone has to take responsibility for this, this mess-up. A woman, a pensioner, is potentially going to lose a bit of her leg on your watch, John. How does that make you feel? It makes me feel pretty miserable about the situation. Right, sort it out. I can't... I'm doing what I can to sort it out. You know I've done a lot of things to sort it out. You know I've always made myself available to you and your listeners to tell you what we've done, to tell you what problems we're still up against. And I appreciate that. At the moment, I am entirely with Peter in the fact that this wasn't satisfactory from an engineering point of view. It wasn't satisfactory from a uh, passenger consideration point of view. And... I'm trying to make sure that it is, A, fixed and done better next time. And uh, and those are work in progress. I don't have answers for you yet. Okay, Uh, listen, John, I appreciate that you do come on. And when you do come on, you speak honestly. And uh, you allow me to put my point forward. Have you heard any more about the, the, the woman's condition? We had an update, but it's not as updated as, as the one that, 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 that Peter gave you this morning. Uh, deeply concerned and, 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 and express our continue to express our deep sympathy for the situation. John Bint, uh, listen, I appreciate you coming on, and I know it's, it's tough times, and uh, you, I, I do believe that you're doing all you can. Hopefully we can speak again soon with some slightly better news on this story. Cheers, then. John, thank you very much. Conservative councillor John Bint there, Cabinet Member for Transport and Highways at Milton Keynes Council. An incredible story, isn't it? 7.45, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Cheers Ian, just looking at the cameras on the M1 past Luton. It's looking reasonably clear at the moment, not too busy. North and southbound moving fine. The A1M looking pretty good as well. As you head into London though, you're going to find some delays along the A1 as you come past Apex Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. And then the M1, better news because southbound the exit slip road at Five Ways Corner Junction 2 is now clear. Broken down vehicle has been moved out of the way. M25 is slow in a few places though. Stop start traffic into the roadworks around Enfield Junction 25. Slow again from the M1 to Kings Langley Junction 21 to 20 and then busy from Maple Cross to the M40 Junction 17 through to 16. Trains and tubes have been running without problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Right, 7.46. It's Wednesday the 28th of August. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The new owners of Wolverton's Railcare says they're confident that some of those made redundant will get their jobs back. NHS hospitals could save thousands of lives every year by carrying out simple checks on patients' kidney function, according to the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence. In sport, MK Dons were knocked out of the League Cup last night as they lost 4-2 at Sunderland. Coming up, we'll get the latest on HS2, but before that, let's get the weather. Here's Wendy Hurrell. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Good morning, and it's a somewhat foggy start to the day for some of us. We will eventually see this clearing away once the sunshine gets to work on it, but the stubborn patches might actually hang around until 9 or 10 o'clock this morning. But for most of us, there will be some sunshine that gets through before that, and for us all, we'll have some sunshine this afternoon, with temperatures then getting to around 22 or 23 degrees Celsius, if it will feel like a pretty pleasant day. This evening and overnight, dry conditions, it's also going to be clear, and with light winds as well, we could have have some mist or fog patches developing once again but it looks like it will be less widespread temperatures around 13 or 14 degrees overnight but in the countryside we could just about slip into single figures so a little bit nippy in spots overnight tonight so we start the day with perhaps a little bit of mist tomorrow and we will have some sunshine breaking through later on in the morning but generally more cloud in the sky in the afternoon as the weather front approaches again temperatures up to around 22 or 23 degrees for friday we do it all over again there will be some sunshine to begin with but it will become more cloudy towards the end of the day a high in the low 20s once again and that's a little weather front on friday might just bring us a little bit of rain overnight into the weekend but fear not it clears through pretty quickly the weekend itself although looking a tiny bit fresher 19 or 20 degrees the temperature it should stay generally fine with plenty of sunshine that's how it's looking for now thank you very much Well, hello there, lovely listener. D-Love here again. Back to share the love for digital radio. What's that? You want to go for a beautiful picnic, but you don't want to miss your favorite show on BBC Three Counties Radio? Well, don't you worry, my little muffins. D-Love's got the answer. With digital radio, you can have the best of both worlds. That's right. You can listen almost anywhere. On your smartphone, laptop, or tablet. Don't just sit there. Grab your picnic blanket and tell everybody. Help share the love. If you love radio, go digital. For more information on switching to digital radio and on coverage in your area, search online for BBC Digital Radio. It's not been a good few days, has it, for the HS2 project. The former Chancellor, Alistair Darling, who approved the first phase, came out last week saying he no longer thinks it's a good idea. And yesterday, the Institute of Directors said the plan was a grand folly, and most of its members weren't convinced it would help the economy. The Institute's Director-General, Simon Walker, said there are better alternatives. There are limits to how much money can be spent, and we think that the, the waste that could be put into what we see as a grand folly uh, could be absolutely astronomical. If it's spent on a hundred little projects, road bypasses, lengthening station platforms, improving capacity on the existing main lines, we, we think that will be a much wiser expenditure and it should still be made. Well, it all adds weight to the arguments being presented by those against the line, including the Conservative MP for Chesham and Amersham, Cheryl Gillan. Cheryl joins me now. Uh, Cheryl, is there a growing shift towards questioning the financial viability of the HS2 project? Oh, good morning, Ian. Yes, I think there is. Um, I think if you start to look at the two main business organisations, both the IOD and John Cridland of the CBI, um, have come out uh, really questioning... Uh, the claims that have been made by government for this scheme. But then if you start to look in more detail at the reports that have been produced, for example, by the New Economics Foundation, which actually highlighted the point that Simon Walker was making, that there were better ways to invest in the infrastructure using at that stage the figure of £33 billion, um, and the IEA saying that it was a totally political decision and not based on sound economics. 
Um, I think you can see that there is a, a body of opinion now amongst those people that are really starting to analyze HS2 that are saying that perhaps it is not the right project for the UK. Um, I feel a bit like my grandmother saying, I told you so. Um, but it is true. I, I started off looking at this purely for, from my constituency perspective, thinking this is really bad for Cheshire and Amsham, very bad for the area of outstanding nat natural beauty. We, we need to, to look at uh, a different approach to this. But having studied the project, I now uh, feel very strongly that this is not the answer. And I think Simon Walker hit the right note. The Institute of Directors, does it wield much influence? Will, will people in power pay attention to what's being said? Well, I think government ministers will always pay attention to what the IOD says and the CBI. After all, these are our businesses. Uh, these are the people that know what is good value for money. This is, these are people that know what makes the economy grow. And when 70% of them say it will have absolutely no impact on their businesses and uh, the numbers in favour of, of this uh, particular scheme have now started to drop away rapidly. I think both the Chancellor, the Prime Minister and the Secretary of State for Transport needs to pay some attention. After all, these are the people that are actually creating the wealth in our economy and driving the country forward. Couldn't Ed Miliband do himself a favour? He's, he's been struggling a little bit in the, in, in the polls and in the press. If he came out and said, look, if Labour get in in the next election, we're going to scrap HS2, that, that would do him quite a bit of good, wouldn't it? Well, I've always said that that was the danger, that we would end up with polarised positions, because um, if the Labour Party um, starts to make spending promises, um, uh, the simplest solution when uh, we say, actually, you can't afford what you're promising to the electorate, will be to say, well, actually, we'll cancel HS2. But they've, they've put a cap on it um, of £50 billion. Pounds. And I think that that makes um, the situation even more difficult because if you've now got um, a Labour Party advocating HS2 and their front bench is advocating HS2, after all it was a Labour project, mm. and putting a cap on it, where is that cap going to fall? If it goes ahead, would that cap fall by stopping proper compensation to those people whose lives and businesses and, and uh, communities are shattered? Uh, by this project um, would it be in cutting corners in the design would it be in in reducing uh, the environmental uh, uh, protections that should come uh, with a scheme of this sort so i think labor has got itself into a terrible position at the moment because it's now in a worse position um, by saying it's going to put a cap on it where is that cap going to fall what sacrifices are going to be made and if it was eventually built would it actually be really rather a white elephant cheryl thank you very much always good to talk no doubt we'll talk about this again at some point in the near future conservative mp for cheshire and amersham cheryl gillen call 08459 455 555 bbc three counties radio it's interesting the way that Cheryl cleverly turned that round to saying that Labour are in a bad position. Hang on a second, it's not Labour that are promising to do it. Anyway, we, we'll talk about that again at a later date. Uh, on to uh, world issues. The world shouldn't stand and idly by. Those were the uh, David Cameron's words on the crisis in Syria last night. He's recalled Parliament for a vote tomorrow on Britain's response to last week's chemical weapons attack in Damascus. The Syrian authorities deny responsibility. Well, a UN team of inspectors is still in the capital investigating, though UK, the US and others appear to be reaching their own conclusion. Our foreign affairs reporter Gavin Lee is with us. Gavin, there now seems to be a growing international momentum towards taking military action, doesn't there? Yeah, very quickly uh, this week. Uh, you know, it's, it, 
events are happening so quickly we're getting to I think a pattern of who are the, the countries uh, very quickly wanting to or looking to to respond and the main protagonists being the French the British and the, the Americans in terms of, of the signals pointing to some kind of military action and you know this is not going to be through a UN Security Council resolution which would make it legally binding to do so because the Russians as we know have signaled it will continue to block any move through the UN Security Council so it could mean a, a NATO coalition of the willing with broad support it seems likely I think from the Arab League as well given the statements from the Arab League yesterday but it still begs the question of legality if there is a response and I think what is interesting at the moment is how similar the language from Downing Street and the White House is they're both talking about a possible uh, what they term limited military strikes they talk about punitive action so basically punishing President Assad for using chemical weapons uh, which uh, you know, it's not about regime change they both say it's, it's to prevent another chemical weapons attack and if you look at what's happening in the past day or so, all of the newspapers here, the US, some in the Middle East as well, pointing to potentially the next few days action being taken. We're hearing reports this morning in Syria, very hard to confirm what's actually going on, but many reports on news agencies saying that some of the military facilities have been moved closer to civilian areas, which, you know, if that's correct, suggests that the well-worn tactic of using human shields in advance of this possible strike. This is all so... Fam- Doesn't anyone remember Iraq? This is all the same rhetoric and language. The, the United Nations weapons inspectors are, are in Damascus trying to work out what happened. Yeah. I'm guessing whatever they say won't have much bearing. It didn't ten years ago in Iraq, did it? Well, and, and this is the thing, you know, that many MPs certainly ahead of this vote tomorrow are talking about, lang- talking about how lessons have been learnt in terms of how sceptical they are because of Iraq and the, the so-called weapons of mass destruction because of Afghanistan, and they remember Tony Blair saying that they'd be in and out without a single shot being fired in Helmand province, and that didn't happen. But it does seem from the Amer- certainly the American behaviour, and listening to John Kerry, that they believe it's sealed. They know this is the Syrian government. They, there is a suggestion that they have evidence that we as the public are yet to see. If that were the case you would expect wouldn't you that the russians would have been shown this and the chinese maybe to sign um, the un security council resolution but we shall see i mean there are two arguments one is that the chemicals that were used degrades very fast and the fact is there was five days of delays from the syrians letting the un team in so that it prevented a proper investigation but there are on the other side many british backbenchers politicians saying that if the UN team completes its work in the next 11 days and it's for example known at least that it was say sarin gas and it's military standard then it's far easier to prove who's responsible and then get a potential legally binded binding uh, reason to strike. Gavin, uh, we, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much indeed. That's our reporter, Gavin Lee. Hey, we knew that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. We knew that, didn't we? We were told that and then, oh hang on a second, we couldn't find any. Sorry, we got it wrong. Never mind. We've done it now. Oh, it is a worry, isn't it? Um, Jamie Oliver is a bit naughty, says Esther on the text. Foreign workers granted do... <laughs> Jamie Oliver is a bit naughty. Foreign workers granted do work hard, but saying British youth do not is wrong. Look at the delightful lady you just spoke to whose son works for the rail company in trouble. Fair enough, yes, good point. He's just been paid after working for nothing. I take my hat off to that lad. Esther, you raise an excellent point that I have neglected to, to focus on. Yes, those workers at the rail company were working for free unknown whether they would get paid. Right, 7.58, let's get the travel news now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
been a pretty good start so far for the trains. No major delays on the departure boards through the three counties. Everything running broadly on timetable and no issues for the tubes to and from London either. On the roads, things are looking clear on most major routes. The M25, though, unsurprisingly, is slow in a few places. It's stop-start from the M11 all the way through to Enfield and into the roadwork section. It's also slow as you continue anti-clockwise from the M1 to Kings Langley, the A41 at Junction 20, and Maple Cross down to the M40 Junction 17 to 16. May also be a little bit slow if you're continuing onwards toward the M4. The A1, if you're making a journey into London, is looking slow from Apex Corner at Torpmill Hill Circus. Further back up, though, along the A1M, it looks like there's a bit of traffic starting to build up on the speed sensors around Stevenage. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. British workers are lazy, migrant workers are tougher. That's according to Jamie Oliver. Well, what do you think? Do you agree? Or do you want to fight your corner? Give us a call and we'll speak after the news with Catherine Boyle. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The headlines hope for redundant rail care workers moves towards intervention in Syria and Buckinghamshire care worker accused of neglect. BBC Three Counties Radio. The Milton Keynes North MP Mark Lancaster is hopeful that some of the workers made redundant at Wolverton's rail care will be re-employed. The Conservative MP was speaking after German firm Norbremser bought the company, securing the jobs of the remaining workforce. Mr Lancaster says the signs are good. It is clear that they are committed to investing in this site uh, and as the new franchises come up, they're hopeful, uh, very confident, in fact, of getting more work, in which case they will have to expand the site here. So um, it would be a logical process to try and get the previous employees who have the skills um, to come back. Momentum appears to be building for military action against Syria. The crisis will be discussed when Parliament is recalled tomorrow, but some MPs have already warned that Britain could be drawn into a Middle East war. A worker at a Buckinghamshire care home showed a callous disregard for the people in her care, according to the prosecution at her trial. Henretta of Fire faces 19 charges of neglect at Westlands in Olney. Mike Cartwright has been following the case at Aylesbury Crown Court. Henretta of Fire's defence is that she was just resting her eyes while on a break in the middle of her shift. Inconceivable, her barrister said, that she'd sleep with managers close by. But the court heard evidence she'd slept on shift four times in the past. Residents left in soiled beds. One care worker saying she'd never seen a patient in such a state before. Henretta Afaya denies all charges and the case continues. Two months after a loose piece of road sliced through the floor of a bus in Milton Keynes, seriously injuring a passenger, that stretch of Midsummer Boulevard still hasn't been repaired. The elderly woman is still in hospital and there are fears she may lose her leg. The road was closed for five days, apparently for patch-up work, but when it was reopened, the problem hadn't been rectified. John Bint is the Conservative member for the Highways and Transport on Milton Keynes Council. He's not sure who to blame. Encourages me the fact that I've done so well in the last five, six years in US Opens. I've been consistently in. Sorry, that's clearly not the right clip. I will play the right one in an hour's time. The UK's first private medical school is about to be launched in Milton Keynes. Buckingham Milton Keynes Medical School will receive no government funding. Instead, it will be run as a not for profit venture by the University of Buckingham and the Milton Keynes NHS Foundation Trust, where students will spend their clinical year. The TV chef Jamie Oliver has branded British youth wet behind the ears and says that European immigrants are much tougher workers. 
workers. The 38-year-old star told Good Housekeeping magazine all of his restaurants would shut immediately if he had to find only British staff. In sport, Arsenal have reached the group stages of the Champions League after completing a 5-0 aggregate victory over Fenerbahce. They won 2-0 in last night's second leg. And the weather, cloudy to start but brighter later with a top temperature of 22 degrees Celsius, that's 72 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's three minutes past eight. The first two hours have sailed by. Even though I've got a bad back and I'm in agony, I've not let on, have I? I mean, obviously I've just let let on then. I feel I should invite you into my world of pain, but I'm doing this for you guys. I'm doing this for you. Lots coming up between now and JVS at nine o'clock, including we'll have the latest on railcare. A bit of good news. Wolverton-based company has been bought out, helping to secure the future for workers there. A bit of bad news. The celebrity chef, Jamie Oliver, criticised the work ethic of British youngsters. He's described them as wet behind the ears and says he couldn't run his business if it wasn't for tougher immigrant workers. Well, has Jamie Oliver got a point? Are immigrant workers tougher than British ones? bit of ambivalent news. Could you get rid of your television? Children are spending far too much time in front of the telly. That's the view of Public Health England. Think about it. Could you get rid of your TV? Do me a favour. Just add up how much TV you, you watch a day. Just add it all up and give me a call. I won't judge you. Well, I might do internally. Let's, let's see what the average listener to Three Counties read, how much TV they watch per day. I'll do it as well in a minute. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or when you've done your maths and added up how much TV you watch a day, give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Workers at the troubled rail refurbishment firm in Milton Keynes say they are delighted their future is now secure. German company Norbremser announced yesterday it was buying railcare, securing more than 200 jobs at the firm's two sites in Wolverton and Glasgow. Norbremser will now pay the salaries of the employees who hadn't been paid since they went into administration. We can talk to Milton Keynes North MP, Mark Lancaster, who's been very vocal about this and been following this story closely. A bit of good news, isn't it, Mark? Yes, it is good news. It's been a very turbulent time for the last two or three weeks um, for workers at the, uh, at, at the site, and I think yesterday's news is very welcome. I, I met with the new owners yesterday, and I was impressed with their level of commitment to invest in the site. So I think actually the... Um, the future is looking rather brighter than it was for the last few weeks. How does something... Explain to an idiot like me how something like this works. Do, do Norbremser kind of phone up and, and say, oh, I hear you're looking for a buyer? Does, does the government get involved? Did Vince Cable get involved? The government has been involved, but actually this, this all goes back some time. This hasn't sort of magically happened in the last three or four weeks. I think uh, several months ago, uh, the old company called Railcare was involved in talks with the new buyer, which then broke down. 
Uh, unfortunately, the company then went in, into administration, uh, and finally it's been resolved. But um, actually, when the company went into administration, they had over 20 um, sort of offers of interest in buying the company, six of which were very serious um, offers of interest. So actually, it's, um, it's come down to the previous company who was involved. But um, it's been a long process, but certainly Biz has been involved. They sent over a, uh, a trade delegation to uh, to the German company to have talks. So lots of people have been involved in this, and uh, it's, it's really good to get a positive result. But ultimately, um, a buyer is now being found and the jobs are being secured. So that's very good news. I would imagine that by waiting so long and waiting for the company to go into administration, that, that, that Norbremser have got themselves perhaps a bit of a bargain. Well, I've not been party to the private negotiations between the two companies, but I can only say again that actually last week my understanding talking to the administrators was that actually several businesses were looking at buying it. So um, Norbremser certainly didn't have the position where they were the only business, right. so I doubt that that's the case. And the signs are up. They were, we, we, we got a photograph we put on our Facebook page of the signs, the Norbremser signs going up yesterday. So does that mean they're, they're in there, their bosses are in there, they're, they're taking control now? Uh, very much so. As I say, I actually went um, yesterday before the deal was finally sort of um, announced to go and have conversations with the uh, new German bosses um, to discuss some of the uh, aspects about what will be happening moving forward. And whilst it's good news that uh, the um, jobs are being secured who are currently working there, of course, we did have redundancies mm. a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and um, I'm now sort of confident that uh, over time it looks as if the site could be um, expanded again and hopefully we'll be taking on new employees. I mean, it's I, I've been determined for some time now that there is a future for, for sort of railway engineering at Wolverton and it looks as if that is the case, so it is good news. So the 130 that, that uh, lost their jobs were made redundant. There's a chance that, that some of them may come back. Well, absolutely. That's certainly that's certainly my ambition. Uh, and I sense from talking to the new owners that they are talking about major investment on that site. Um, obviously, uh, some of the rail franchise contracts are up for renewal shortly. They do have a good order book. I mean, it's very much one set at a time at the moment. Um, but um, talking to them, they do seem prepared and keen to invest, um, you know, some money in that site and hopefully improve and expand the facilities. So, well, this is this is crossed. this is a rare moment on this show where I'm not having a go at an MP or a councillor. I'm, I'm getting to say, well done for, for pursuing this and, and keeping this in the public eye, Mark. Well, I say kind, but it's not really down to me. It's down to an awful lot of people. And the people who really deserve the credit, actually, are the workers at the site because they have kept that place going um, over the last few, uh, uh, few weeks to make sure um, that um, it's been a going concern. So, you know, hats off to the workers um, because without the staff and the dedication of them over the last few weeks, um, we wouldn't be in the position that we are today. Mark Lancaster, thank you very much indeed. Milton Keynes North MP. I just think it's nice that we're... Well, normally when we do these shows, it, it, it's all awful news because that's what's interesting. But this is great. A bit of good news. I've got Chris on the line. Morning, Chris. Um, good morning. Chris, I believe you've got a new employer. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes, you're, you're, you're working for Norbremser. Yes, I am. In- when did you find out that uh, things w- were, were on the turn and, and your, your job was safe? Um, well, we actually found out about half past eight yesterday morning. And were you were you actually at work with all of your colleagues when you found out? Yes, yes, I, I was. Well, I, I, I'm assuming there was perhaps a little uh, little celebration and perhaps an early break for tea. <laughs> well, there was certainly a lot of smiles on the faces. How did they do it? Did they post up a notice or did the, the foreman come and stand? All right, all right, lads, I've got some news. How did they tell you all? <laughs> no, 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 it was all very professional. Actually, the... Um, the MD um, UK of um, Norbrems um, came on site along with his German colleague and um, 
announced it to the workforce and gave us a little presentation. So it was all very professional. And uh, have you got confidence in Norbrempton that they're going to be able to, to um, make this a success where b- the previous owners perhaps couldn't? Oh, yes, yes. Um, yeah, they're a massive company, so we're all very, very hopeful for the future. And you've not been paid for a while. When do you get that money you're owed? Oh, um, that, that was the other piece of good news. Um, Lord Brem um, announced that they would they would make up the, the money, so we're, we're due to get that in the next week. Oh, so you're going to get that in a week or so? Fantastic! It must <laughs> yes. have been it, it, well, it, it must have been um, a, a tough time for for you and your family and everyone else working there, not knowing if you were going to get paid. Oh, I think uh, I think no no doubt. Um, not only was it tough for the for the people on site. Um, we all feel we all feel for the people who actually had to leave the company. Mm. Well, there was, just speaking to Mark Lancaster, there, there was a chance that hopefully some of them uh, uh, might be coming back. What's what's the mood at, at work today, Chris? Oh, the mood is everyone everyone's very happy. Yeah, looking forward to a bright future. Excellent stuff, Chris Quinn. Thank you very much and congratulations. Uh, he now works for Norbremsa, which is uh, which is fantastic. And they're going to get the back pay they're owed in a week or so. That's good news, isn't it? That's exciting. Do you have a quick look at the front pages? I mean, it's not, it's not particularly exciting. There's lots of pictures of missiles, <laughs> really. It's, it's, it's all about Syria. Look, I don't mess. Let's look at the Times. Um, oh, the return of the pinstripe. I've got a pinstripe suit. It's a very faint pin. You wouldn't, I wouldn't go for a loud pin. It's a very faint, narrow pin. But yes, it's definitely there. Uh, West set for missile strike. Uh, Cameron recalls Parliament for debate on action against Syria. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, well, I mean, this is the front page of everywhere. Does, does nobody? Does nobody remember Iraq? Does no? Am I the only person who remembers everything that was said up in the in the run up to that? Oh yeah, no, we know they have got weapons of mass destruction. Oh, we got inside. Trust us, we got inside information. Where are the weapons of mass? Ah, we got that wrong. But still, we're in now, and Saddam's dead, so that wins. The Guardian. Attack on Syria just days away, as Commons uh, recalled for vote. David Cameron, he's had four holidays this year. He had to cut short this one from Cornwall. He's looking a little bit, you know, he's looking a little bit chunky. I suggest maybe he's been enjoying himself on these holidays too much. He's looking a little bit podgy around the waist and indeed around the face. The Independent... Uh, the chubby Cameron, the heir to Blair. Cameron makes moral case for attack on Syria, an echo of justification for the Iraq war. Uh, the Daily Telegraph. Well, they split. The Telegraph splits the front page. Cameron, we, we must act now against Syria. And then there's a picture of the Duchess of Cambridge pushing a Waitrose shopping trolley. I don't quite know which is. Uh, the um, the right one. All at sea, the cadets who picked the wrong port of call. When the Canadian sea cadet leader, Mervyn Morash, and two of his young charges became separated from the rest of their group during a trip to London, he did not panic. Using the initiative and resourcefulness for which his organisation is known, he simply continued with the journey as planned so they could be reunited with the others at their next destination. Sounds good. But the trio's navigational skills went awry when they boarded a train to Chester in the northwest, 170 miles from where they were supposed to be and where the rest of the group were heading, Chester Le Street in County Durham. Without a mobile telephone, the group could not be contacted and their disappearance on Monday led to a nationwide police hunt. Oh dear, Canadian sea cadets. Let's hope they're not getting involved in Syria, otherwise we're all screwed. The Daily Mail, thousands dying of thirst 
and also the uh, the Jamie Oliver story. Migrant workers are tougher than the British. Migrant workers are tougher than the British. We've been taking your calls on that. Some of you have been very passionate about it. Uh, 08459 455 555. Very quickly, Daily Express, new hope for arthritis cure. It's broccoli. It isn't. The sun, the, the football man has done something. I mean, really, who cares? 08459 455 555. It's coming up to 8.15 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Speed tense is picking up some delays to and from Hartford at the moment. It's looking just a little bit slow along the A414. Stevenage may be a bit busy on the A602 toward the A1M. A1M, though, looking a bit better, apart from a very short delay past Stevenage. Around Clop Hill, there's a little bit of traffic on the A6 this morning at the junction with the A507. It's looking pretty good on the A1, apart from as you come into London, Edgware, Watford bypass from Apex Corner down toward Mill Hill Circus. You've got a delay there. The A41, that's slowing up southbound as you come down to the M25 at Junction 20 Kings Langley. And then on the M25, slow traffic from back at the M11 in Essex, round toward Enfield and the start of the roadwork section. Busy past Kings Langley, and then slow from Watford to the M40, Junction 19 to 16. Trains and tubes still running without problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 16. It's Wednesday the 28th of August. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Milton Keynes North MP, Mark Lancaster, is hopeful that some of the workers made redundant at Wolverton Works will be re-employed by its new owners. Momentum appears to be building for military action against Syria, with the British and American governments continuing to argue their case for a response to deter the use of chemical weapons. In sport, Arsenal have reached the group stages of the Champions League after they completed a 5-0 aggregate victory over Fenerbahce. Is that how you say the football team? Yes, that was perfect. Thank you very much indeed. Coming up, could you get rid of your television? Government is warning of the extent to which children's health and anxiety levels are being affected by too much screen time. We'll be talking more about it before 8.30, but how much TV do you watch, and could you get rid of yours? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. In this country, we will never think of sport the same way, and we will never think of disability the same way. A year ago, a very special event took place at Stoke Mandeville Stadium in Aylesbury to mark the start of the Paralympic Games. A year on, we are back at the Buckinghamshire home of the Paralympics to hear the memories of those who took part and assess the legacy of the Games. You see them now as athletes in their own right, whatever their disability. Listen to the anniversary live from Stoke Mandeville Stadium, Thursday from 3, here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Just saying to uh, Jonathan Vernon-Smith, who's here, I, I, my, my boys and my wife have stayed in Greece a bit longer and they're, they're coming back today. And uh, emotional reunions at airports are the best thing. And it's the second time I've greeted my children at the airport and it's wonderful. I'm going to get two brilliant hugs from my boys. It's going to be great. But the thing I've noticed now that I've had an emotional reunion is how the, the people waiting uh, for people to come through um, arrivals at, at airports. If you, if you get there a bit early, half an hour, people watching, it's fantastic. It is. And doesn't it make you feel good standing there at the airport yep. watching all of the, the people that are so happy yeah. to see other people? It's, it's really good. It's wonderful. You, you see kids meeting their parents. 
parents or meeting their grandparents they've not seen for ages. You see sometimes slightly grumpy couples meeting who obviously there's they've got mm-hmm. issues that they need to work through. Oh, it's wonderful. I love it. I agree with you. I, I love going to uh, arrivals at airports. Yeah. Even if you're not meeting anyone. No, I often just drive there for an afternoon. Do you never just hang out there with a board with someone's name on it, Mr Jones, and see what happens? <laughs> see what happens? Yes. May- oh, that's, drive, that's me. Drive some random stranger home. <laughs> what have you got on your show well, today? I'll, I'll tell you about the phone in just a sec. Yes. But coming up after ten this morning, here's a question I'm going to be asking. OK. Uh, if someone spat in your mouth, would you punch them in the face? <laughs> Did you see this story yesterday? No, I didn't. There's a police officer oh, who uh, he was arresting someone he was getting them in the back of the van yeah and this man spat in his mouth oh so seemingly he lost his temper yeah and he punched him in the face yep and uh he's been found guilty of oh. common assault oh really yes but i want to know from after 10 this morning if someone spat in your mouth would you punch them in the face i would several times probably it's yet another reason why it's probably good for society that I'm not a police officer. Ooh, a fly, <laughs> fly went up your nose. Fly just went up my nose. I saw that punch it in the face. <laughs> I saw that happening in slow motion. I, I, I didn't see it come it, out. It's it, on your. It's on your thumb. Is it? Is, it, is that on your thumb? Oh, it smells. <laughs> what does what does a fly smell of? <laughs> I've got a horrible smell up my nose. That fly. Well, you know what flies land on, don't you? <laughs> you know where they lay their eggs. Oh. On yes. Do you want me to? Do you want me to put something up there? Well, I don't know what to do. I've not. I've not. I don't know, I don't to know do first it. aid, JVS. I don't I know what to do. Do to hit you? Smell up my nose now. What the hell was in that fly? <laughs> <laughs> Can, do you want me to pull, Ooh, pull water? Smell it? Is it just me? I can't smell anything, no. It's because you my nose. You've got a dead, dead fly that's been sitting on uh, feces <laughs> up your nose. You've probably got some kind of rare... I can't rare... have a nostril wash. Have a little nose douche. <laughs> have a nose douche. Pour that water up there. Oh. You okay? Oh, that's horrible. Oh, little devil. I think I think producer Tara is bringing something in to um to what, clear to wash, you up. Wash my nose. She's got she's got a nose douche. Oh, it's a tissue. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, that's better. Coming up on the big phone in this morning at nine, we're continuing with this Jamie Oliver discussion. I'm asking: Is Jamie Oliver right that immigrants make better workers? Uh, I I just love some of the comments he's made. Have you have you read the full transcript of what he said? Sorry, I'm just just writing down. You're now in the podcast. Yes, right. uh, <laughs> I've, I've read bits and pieces of it. Yes, when I got a fly up my nose. Yes, he's described. So he's described our young people, our young yep. British people, as wet behind the ears. Yep. Adding that when he was in his late twenties, he'd work a hundred hours a week. He added, "I have mummies." phoning up for 23-year-olds, saying to me, my son's too tired. On a 48-hour week, are you having a laugh, he said, in his voice. Nice puck. Are you having a laugh? The star of the programmes, including The Naked Chef, has told journalists, our European immigrant friends are much stronger and tougher. Mm -hmm. From Nine, we'll continue this discussion, and I want to know, is he right when he says that immigrants make better workers? 08459 455 555. It's the big phone-in from Nine. Well, I'm I'm sure you've heard we've had some very passionate callers this morning. You have very passionate. Discussing... (laughs) 
this. Uh, we, I, 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 we've heard this before. I've heard this before from local companies saying that they've um, uh, had people come in for work experience and the British workers quite often don't turn up. The young people don't turn up. Or after, I think one company phoned up and said um, that at lunchtime, the guy just didn't come back. He couldn't hack it. Whereas the, the, the uh, European workers, the immigrant workers, are keen. They're there early. They stay late. They do it. At the last radio station I worked at, yep. we had a work experience person. Mm. She came for the morning and she never came back. Oh. She was there. She was supposed to be there for the whole week. She came for the first morning. Oh, no. She scarped off. She said, I'm going for lunch. Never returned. Oh, bless she her. She was British. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Take the tissue with you. It's stunk. I know. I, I, what is that? Discuss it on your it's show. Why? Oh, dear. <laughs> How unpleasant for everybody involved. Particularly you, dear listener. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Do listen to JBS at nine o'clock. Always, uh, always a good <laughs> listen. He's got, he's got into whinge next door about the fly. For goodness sakes. Now, could you get rid of your television? How much TV do you watch a day? I'm trying to think. I won't watch any TV today. Won't watch any. Um, yesterday, I watched two episodes of Dragon's Den. And that was it. So what's, what's that? That's two hours. Is that a lot? I don't really know. Well, children are spending too much time in front of TV screens, whether it's watching the TV or playing computer games. And according to Public Health England, it's having a worrying effect on their well-being and anxiety. It's encouraging families to adopt healthier uh, uh, behaviours and lifestyles as children prepare for the new school year. We can talk now to clinical psychologist, broadcaster and author, Professor Tanya Byron, who's more than 20 years experience working in the National Health Service. Good morning, Tanya. Good morning, Ian. What effect does too much television have on you and how do we define too much? Well, this is, this is as you said, it's the Public um, Health England briefing paper, which is actually launched alongside the Change for Life campaign, which is starting today. So this is the Government Healthy Living campaign, which is a campaign to support parents um, and families and obviously kids to think about ways in which we can improve our health and well-being. So this campaign is called the Smart Restart campaign. And what it's doing is it's trying, I suppose, at the end of the summer holidays when, you know, routines have slipped and we've all been kind of kicking back and chilling out you know new start new term september back to school and let's think about being really healthy and positive um and so it's about looking at limiting screen time looking at increasing activity levels looking at healthy eating it's all those sorts of things which this campaign will give people tons of information on loads of money off vouchers if you go online for the change for life um uh website and all the app um and it's just about kind of setting some boundaries so kids are getting enough sleep good food enough exercise and and living well some parents i don't i don't buy this in the slightest when i turn that tv off it goes off but some parents say oh it's so hard to get the kids away from the tv it keeps them quiet it means i can do the housework and they enjoy it what's so bad about it really um well i think that sounds a bit like people who just struggle to say no to their children and of course you know television is and and screens are part of our lives and you know this generation particularly are a digital generation and there are some great video games for kids there's great um, television content there's lots of good stuff educational stuff out there but this is about just a kind of finding a balanced lifestyle diet if you like i mean i think it's really important just to state that um a recent report showed that in 29 
OECD countries. So these are countries wrapped around the UK. Um, in, out of 29, we ranked 10th in terms of how much physical activity our children and young people get every day. So if you're setting an hour a day for children, particularly developing children, an hour of physical activity a day, which is what they should be getting... Over 70% of young people in UK are just not hitting that target. That seems incredible because kids, I mean, my boys are three and a half and, and 20 months, they have non-stop energy and it doesn't take much to get them, I mean, they run around the house constantly, but you say, let's go out for a walk, let's go to the swings, let's go. It doesn't take much to get them to do that. Why, why are some families not encouraging their kids to be more active? I, th- I mean, I think you've got little ones and, you know, they probably haven't developed the relationship with their screens that older kids do. Um, but I also, th- I mean, it's a really interesting question you ask i mean you know we are a much more risk averse culture i mean i grew up in the 1970s i was out on my bike all the time you know kids these days are are kind of raised in captivity a lot more people are much more paranoid about kids going outside and playing about taking risks and so kids are generally indoors and generally as you said earlier quite rightly you know kept quiet in front of a screen or the screen is still on because parents don't have to don't know how to say no and follow through but when you look at this public health england brief paper and when you look at this smart restart campaign um, which is the change for life campaign you just search change for life online what you'll get is um, an opportunity to set one of five targets either stretching your legs moving for 10 minutes a day building up to 60 minutes a day um, helping all parents can want to limit screen time we support them in ways they can do that it's a six-week program there's tips there's hints there's advice there's money off vouchers as well for the healthy eating side this is a brilliant campaign kind of linked into you know september new term fresh start you know get kids happy healthy moving eating well you know limited screen time lots of good sleep and um, we'll be kind of whacking up the league tables in the UK and that's what we want to be doing we want really happy psychologically balanced um, kids and um, we're not doing it well enough at the moment Professor Tanya uh, Byron thank you very much indeed Uh, listen if your kids are watching too much telly just turn it off turn it off Um, oh (laughs) Michael in Aylesbury these are some texts here Talking about switching off TVs. I left my TV and my wife in 2009. Best decision ever. What? Plenty to do without it. Which one? If I want to watch anything, i.e. Formula One, I watch it on iPlayer at a time when I want to see it. Have read tons of books. No regrets of not having a TV. What about not having a wife, Michael? Any regrets around that? She got the TV. You got the, the, the freedom. Um, Paul in Biggleswade I only watch one hour of TV a week And that's Holby City <laughs> oh, I thought it was going to be something good I was thinking, oh well Paul, well done, that's really noble Only uh, one hour Of TV a week And <laughs> it's Holby City One of the worst programmes around Okay, here we go Last 30 minutes of the show If you only had one hour a week of television to watch What would you watch? 30 minutes left on the show. This is the final question I'm throwing out to you. One hour of TV a week, what would you save it for? I'm trying to think. I don't think it would be Dragon's Den because I'm not particularly enjoying this. I'm not enjoying Dragon's Den now that Duncan Bannatyne's getting divorced and he can't afford to invest in anything anymore. It makes me a bit sad. Um, let me have a think during the news. Catherine, have a think as well. We'll come to you at, uh, just after 8.30. And you, dear listener, you've got one hour of TV a week. 
What would you save it for? 08459 555. It's coming up to 8.30, BBC Three Counties Radio. Here's the travel with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Quite slow in Stevenage still, the A602 in particular, with plenty of traffic past Corey's Mill Lane. Down toward the A1M is where it's looking slowest as well. Then on the A1M, you're going to find a patch of traffic around Stevenage there. It's looking good at the Black Cat roundabout, though, and it's not too bad, actually, into London on the A1 now. Still some short delays from Apex Corner toward Mill Hill Circus, but it's looking a bit better than it was. The A5 in Dunstable has been running pretty clear this morning. M1 is still looking good on the cameras. London Coney roundabout, the A414, that's looking a wee bit busy. A41, as you come through Kings Langley down to the M25, that's a bit busy. On the M25, plenty of traffic anti-clockwise into the roadworks section. Then it slows up again as you go from Watford round to the M40. And in Beaconsfield, slow-moving traffic on the A355 from Ledborough Lane down toward the A40. Trains and tubes still looking good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. the 8.30 headlines, I'm Catherine Boyle. The Milton Keynes North MP Mark Lancaster is hopeful that some of the workers made redundant at Wolverton Works will be re-employed by its new owners. Momentum appears to be building for military action against Syria, with the British and American governments continuing to argue their case for a response to deter the use of chemical weapons. And a worker at a Buckinghamshire care home will face 19 charges of neglect as her trial continues at Aylesbury Crown Court this morning. BBC Three Counties Radio. Arsenal have reached the group stage of the Champions League for the 16th year in a row after completing a 5-0 aggregate victory over Fernabachi last night. The Gunners won their second leg 2-0 with Aaron Ramsey scoring both goals. Here's Arsene Wenger. Of course, it's uh, an, uh, an achievement because uh, if you look at the clubs in Europe who have done it, there have only three clubs who have done it in the whole uh, Europe. I hear a lot that it's not enough and I agree with that. But uh, still it shows that we have been remarkably consistent. But... Uh, our ambition is much higher than that, and uh, I take that on board from everybody. MK Dons were knocked out of the League Cup last night as they lost 4-2 at Sunderland. The Dons were leading 2-0 until the last 15 minutes with goals from Patrick Bamford and Isle McLeod before Sunderland's fight back. Nevertheless, the Dons manager Carl Robinson was proud of his side. So my younger players tonight and my older players, I thought they, uh, they showed what a unique style that we've got and a very attractive style. I thought our ball retention was brilliant. But not just that, we play with an energy and a consistency that created chances. Watford are in Capital One Cup action tonight. Bournemouth will be the visitors to Vicarage Road with the Hornets set to make changes to the team which drew against Nottingham Forest on Sunday. And also in the Capital One Cup tonight, Stephen Idrit Premier League side Everton. Borough midfielder James Dunn's hoping to cause an upset. Yeah, no, obviously it is a big game against the Premiership, you know, but we're not going to go there and think that Premiership, we're, we're going to go there and we're going to go there for the win. You know, Cup games are different. They might, if we get in their faces, they won't like it. So we're, gonna, we're definitely going there for the win. We're not going for anything else. And that's your latest news in sport. I'll be back with more at nine o'clock. Are you right, love? Yeah. We were worried that you might have fallen over or something. <laughs> My fingers fell over the fader. Your fat fingers fell over the fader. Oh, sausage fingers. Uh, now, listen, you've got one hour of TV <laughs> oh. a week, right? You get, what, what, <laughs> I feel sorry for Paul. It's Holby City is his one hour. That's one of the well, worst programs ever. Paul. If you'd have asked me last month, I'd have sounded quite clever because I was enjoying Top of the Lake. With that uh, woman from uh, Mad Men. That was quite nice. Top of the lake? What on earth is that? It was really good. It was about New Zealand, about oh. this really weird oh. town in New Zealand where everyone's into each other's business. Oh. And, like, 
by that I mean that sounds a bit boring no it was great oh. and then before that was the return that French thing that I can't still can't quite work out I've been given well, sorry we should have this conversation off air I've been given a DVD of the film of the return oh. that the TV series is based on Will it spoil it because they're going to do another series? Well, I don't know. So I'm, I don't know whether I should watch it or not. Mm. Anyway, so be, you, you, now... But that was last month. An hour of TV this month. What would you watch? Geordie Shaw. Should we just move on? I would. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. She really is... She, I mean, she, she really is as common as Mark, isn't she? Uh, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't forget, dear listener, there is a, a podcast of this show. I'm scribbling down bits uh, of today's show that will go in the podcast. Uh, I wasn't here last week. And against my wish, and I did have ex- express wishes that there would be no podcast when I was away. An email was sent around. And then I get a phone call on the last day of my holiday from Justin. Justin did, all right, Lisa, all right, big man, yeah, I've done a podcast, all right, girls, and uh, just want to check it's all right with you. It's not all right with me. Oh, right, this, oh, it's too late. So if you want to hear Justin Dealey filling in for me last week, I shan't bother. 59 minutes, 59 minutes of pure tedium. <clears throat> anyway, if you go to iTunes and type in Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E, uh, you can hear Justin Dealey filling in for me last week. It's also on the BBC podcast page as well. And it turns out once it's up there, this is what I've been told, once it's up there, you can't take it down. <clears throat> we'll see about that. Uh, in the last 30 minutes of the show, talking about TV and talking about uh, lazy British workers and tougher immigrant workers. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Uh, April's in Luton. Good morning, April. Good morning. You've got an hour of TV a week to watch. Yeah. What would you watch? Oh, um, something on BBC Four, probably. Oh, for goodness sakes. Is that still going? Yeah. You, you want to watch a programme about a, a, an 18th century mill or a German <laughs> composer, really? Or, or something about science or maths, yeah. Oh, for goodness. A, a TV programme about maths? I know. They're cool, aren't they? No! <laughs> Science programmes, I'll give you. Nina and the Neurons, yes, I'll, I'll watch an hour of that. Oh, dear. She's good, Nina. She, she, um, I know why people get scabs now. Uh-huh. OK. Right. So, um, April. Yes. Uh, what, what do you want? We're talking about TV. Oh, yes, yes, that was it. I knew that was what you said. Yes, go on. <laughs> Would you, could you get rid of your TV? Um, no, because it, it does have some good functions. Yeah. I don't watch. We don't watch a lot of TV, and thanks to you, um, although my son's mostly upset, we don't watch TV at dinner time anymore. Oh, but now because I said that watching TV at dinner time was a big no-no. Yeah, and I went home that day and I said, right, from now on, no TV at dinner time, and he's absolutely gutted. And how uh, old's your son? Four and a half. In your face, four and a half year old. I totally owned you. Um, well, good. Good. I'm. You see, I'm. I'm uh, informative, entertaining, but more importantly, educational. So we are sticking to it, but you know, TV is a balanced thing, isn't it? And when we, when I was growing up, I watched loads of TV. It didn't turn me into an unhappy, unbalanced person. You sound a bit miserable. No, oh? no, no. no I'm, a, I'm a glasses half full person. Optimistic, someone's going to fill the other half. Okay. T- kids' TV programs now are much better than they were in the seventies. They are, but my son doesn't really like watching them. Oh. I mean, as an example, on Monday he cycled sixteen point two miles. What? He's four and a half. Yeah, I know. Isn't that cool? He's so brilliant. On his own? Yeah. Well, hang on, you weren't there with him? Well, no, we were there with him, but he cycled on his own bike, no stabilisers. You you made a four-year-old child child cycle 16 miles? (laughs) We didn't make him, he did it. 
Why? He chose the he chose the longer route. Actually, he could have saved like four or five miles. How long did it take him? Um, we cycled from where we live to the next town, right. which took about an hour and a half. That's, we quick, then go that's to quicker than our resident cyclist, Paul Scoynes. It, 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 it would take him about four hours to do that, and he's in his late 30s. We then go to a, a restaurant and have some dinner. Yeah. And then we take a literally cycle back via the park and the no. place with the bouncy castle. And no, no, no. The duck. You've got this wrong. He's four and a half, April. I know. Th- that's, that's mathematically impossible. No, it's not. And, and he, then, hasn't, he hasn't uh, got stabilisers. No, no, he's been riding without stabilisers since he was about three years, two months. Well, listen to you. And then after he did that, yeah. he decided to go down the new BMX track in the village. Yeah, and, I, and I hope you said no. And completely owned that. Uh, right, OK, I don't, I don't believe it. Uh, I don't I'll believe you. i the YouTube video. Yeah, have you sent it to me? I have. Where, where, where did you send it to my email? Yes. All right, hang on a second. Let's, um... Uh, no, you've sent me the TV Society. No. Yeah. Was it, yeah. No. Yeah. No. Y- yeah. I'm looking at the email I sent you. No, I'm going right, to have a look. Ian, I'm t- I-A-I-N. That's me. Hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, hang on, my computer. I will have a look at it. My computer is doing what it always That's does. Fine. I.e. not working. OK, That's I will fine. have a look at it. But, so he um, went down there, and then yeah. after that, he decided he'd go have a rest. And so then he went inside and watched Star Trek on TV. Lazy little so-and-so. What a lazy little sausage you've got. Naughty. April, I will have a look at that video. My computer is, of course, being... Uh, uh, oh, it says the content is currently unavailable. Oh. Well, you, that's, that's two minutes of exciting radio. We're never going to get back. April, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> it's nice to talk to you. Well done. I'll speak to you again soon. No problem. Thank bye. you very much indeed. I'm sure she will resend that video and we'll have a look. Four and a half, riding 16 miles. No. There's not something not right about that. Now, lots of the papers today are talking about Jamie Oliver. I know uh, JVS will be talking about this after nine o'clock. He's called British youth wet behind the ears, saying that European immigrants are much tougher workers. The 38-year-old said that all of his restaurants would shut immediately if he had to find only British staff. In an interview with Good Housekeeping magazine, he says he has mummies phoning up for 23-year-olds saying, my son is too tired on a 48-hour week. He says our immigrant friends are stronger and tougher. Well, is he right? 08459 455 555. Joined now by Chris Slay, who is the Managing Director of the International Recruitment Agency Skills Provision. Chris, is Jamie Oliver right? Are immigrant workers tougher? Yes, in a word. Uh, To put things in context, you've got to remember that uh, the Brits are known as the whinging poms. Uh, in places like Australia. Um, so as, as a race, we have a history of complaining. It, it, so it's, it's not just a generational thing, then. It, it's not the, the 20-somethings nowadays. It, it's, it's inherent in our DNA. I believe that's the case, yes. I mean, there are exceptions. I remember having uh, jobs as a, a young person, getting paid terribly, and doing it, and working through my lunch break, and... Did it because that was what I, the way I'd been brought up. Uh, I would agree with that as well. Uh, and certainly uh, the generation I'm of, and I better not te- t- tell you my age, because that's another thing we can't discuss now is age, sex, etc., etc. Um, 
But we were grateful to get any work when I was a kid. And we used to do it, and whatever the boss said, went. Where's it gone wrong for us, Chris? I think it's... I've mentioned the cultural bit. I think uh, society as a whole is now wanting something for nothing. I think that parents are not as closely involved with their kids' education as they should be. Uh, schools call for a social contract, but how many parents take that seriously? Big question mark there. The educators are just following a program uh, that they're told to teach. Uh, rather than having regard to what business or society wants. A lot of it, I would have thought, has to come down to what the kids see their parents do. My dad worked hard. Looking back, he was probably a workaholic, actually, but he, he worked hard. And so I've always had that, uh, that, that work ethic, maybe not now, I'm turned 40, but that work ethic instilled in me. I'm guessing lots of kids aren't seeing that in their parents. I think that's very true. You've got... Uh parts of the UK where you've got second and third generation unemployed that have uh, created and brought up families being totally supported by the state. Um, You know, what they see is is what you tend to get. And, uh, you know, it's a real problem for us as a society. What are the Europeans doing right then that, that, that we're not? How come they do have this work ethic? I think families are much stronger in most of the Eastern European uh, countries. And, of course, we only see the best of the Eastern Europeans. That's a very good point, yes. Well-educated, often with degrees. And they come over here with a plan. Um, uh, Their plans may change, but very often it's to come over to earn as much money as they can in two to five years to either get a very healthy deposit or perhaps the whole of the purchase price for a house back home. And then they go back home in their middle to late 20s to start raising uh, a family. But because they understand that they need to give a fair day's work for a fair day's pay, they just get on with it. Um, And they are grateful rather than believing it is a right to have a job. Uh, I do need to say, though, that benefit tourism that you've uh, probably uh, had programmes on separately is a reality. And really, the European Union and uh, our following of the rules of the European Union, where we have no choice, uh, is creating further problems. Uh, initially when the polls could come in in 2004 they couldn't access the benefits system, medical care, etc. for a period of time. Uh, That was changed in 2010 I believe and now the polls have free access and of course from the 1st of January 2014 we will have the Bulgarians and the Romanians uh, having equal rights Chris, we, we have, sorry to cut you short there, sir. We, we are running out of time, so I have to end it there. Thank you. It's Chris Slay, Managing Director of the uh, International Recruitment Agency Skills Provision. What do you think? Jamie Oliver, is he right? Migrant workers are tougher. Uh, JVS will be talking about this after nine. He's asking, is Jamie Oliver right that immigrants make better workers? You can start calling him now, 08459 455 555, or send him an email, jvsshow uh, at bbc.co.uk. Uh, very quickly, uh, if you had... Um, 
uh, an hour's worth of TV to watch a week. What would you watch? Uh, if I had one hour of TV a week, says uh, Louise in Hearts, I'd use it for Downton Abbey. Quality. I'd even save up my hours if it needs be so I could watch the extended Christmas special. I think uh, sometimes parents forget there is an off button. And uh, Chris in Milton Keynes says, bring back the 11 o'clock show. Well, the chances of that, Chris, very, very slim. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Aylesbury, the A418. It's partly blocked both ways following an accident with a bus and a pedestrian involved. This is between the A41 and Fowler Road outside the Sir Henry Floyd Grammar School. Police are aware and are dealing with that currently. Amersham Road in Beaconsfield, the A355, slow moving between Ledborough Lane and the A40. It's quite busy still on the M25, anti-clockwise in the roadwork section past Enfield at Junction 25. And it's busy then as you go from Chorleywood round to the M40, Junction 18 to 16. The A1 into London from Apex Corner, Tord Mill Hill Circus still looking slow on the cameras and on the trains and tubes it's a nice clear run with no late runners and no major delays Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio Right, 8.47 or thereabouts it's Wednesday the 28th of August I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio The Milton Keynes North MP Mark Lancaster is hoping that some of the workers made redundant at Wolverton Works will be re-employed by its new owners Momentum appears to be uh, building for military action against Syria, with the British and American governments continuing to argue their case for a response to deter the use of chemical weapons. In sport, the England cricket team have apologised for any offence caused by their celebrations after winning the Ashes, amid reports that some players did a wee-wee on the wicket at the Oval. (laughs) I made myself laugh there, so childish. They did, though. That's what they did. (laughs) So sorry. Coming up. Coming up. Could you get rid of your television? The government is warning of the extent to which children's health and anxiety levels are being affected by too much screen time. We'll talk more about it before nine, but before that, let's get the weather. Here's Wendy. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. 11 degrees in Luton at the moment with still some fog around, so it's a bit of a nippy, somewhat autumnal start to the day, shall we say, but it's going to turn into summer as we go through it. I should think by sort of late morning we will see some sunshine, some brightness breaking through, and this afternoon we'll all have a bit of blue sky, so temperatures then will get to around 22 or 23 degrees Celsius, feeling pleasant enough for the time of year. Overnight tonight, we kind of do it all over again. There will be clear, calm, dry conditions, and there might be a bit of mist and fog developing again as a result temperatures 12 to 14 degrees something like that so we start the day tomorrow with some hazy brightness we will see more cloud in the sky later on though and that's because of a weak weather front that will cross through but temperatures still not doing so badly 23 degrees celsius the scheduled temperature for tomorrow for friday another sunny start but there will be another cloudy afternoon and that cloud actually might produce a little bit of rain in the evening and overnight into saturday but uh, for saturday itself the sunshine will return it will be a tiny bit fresher at 19 or 20 degrees celsius but Actually, both days on the weekend, not looking too bad at all. That's how it's looking for now. If you 
you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, there's one man you should come and speak to. You've got a problem with a mattress, I gather. Tell me all about it without naming any company name. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Well, every time she tried to book, the trip was cancelled because of adverse weather. The JVS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Just send the receipt off and you'll get the cheque in the post. If you need our help... I went to speak to the man that runs this golf club. Email jvsshow at bdc.co.uk. I'm just very pleased that you've got the money. And we could do the same for you. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Should you wish to give uh, me a call, you'll be more than welcome to join me. Now, uh, oh, yesterday on the programme I was talking about Dial-A-Ride, the coordinator of the service in... This is a great bit of news here. The coordinator of the service in Luton, which was withdrawn two weeks ago, said he's annoyed the council has made it look like the decision was their fault. Dave Barrett came onto the programme, critical of comments from the leader of Luton Borough Council, Hazel Simmons, who said they were irresponsible to take the service uh, away. Both sides very passionate uh, and felt very strongly that perhaps they had been slighted by the other, but wanted to do the best for the people. We're reluctant to talk to each other. Well, I suggested they should sit down and have a chat about it over a coffee. And I'd even buy it, and I'd buy them croissants as well. I'm not sure it's as simple as that. At the moment, all we've managed to do is put an interim service into place. Thanks. Sit down. Sit down and sit down and and talk with him. Find something in the longer term. Dave. Dave. Uh, um, David and David and I meeting up uh, isn't going to solve this problem. Listen to me, Ian. We need to have a proper business plan. Oh, Hazel. About what he needs. Hazel. Hazel. That's not clear. Hazel. Just put just put all of that business stuff to one side. Why don't you start by going to Acosta? Sitting down and just having a having a chat for an hour, just 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 seeing and having a chat. Put those put those disabled and those elderly people to the forefront of your mind. I will meet him and have a coffee. Right, Dave. Will, Dave, will you meet with Hazel and have a coffee? Yeah, I was up for it straight away. Right. Even then, they're both getting their little digs in. Well, uh, they said both said on air they would be going uh, a meeting for a coffee, and I will said I would buy them the croissants. It's happening. They're going for a coffee at ten thirty on Friday. Who'd have thought it? There's an exclusive. Stick that in your... If Five Live want to get in touch with us about this story, Victoria Derbyshire wants to feature feature us, she can. I'll, I'll, I'll do an interview with Victoria Derbyshire if she wants to talk about it, or Nikki Campbell. Um, I don't want to do Tony Livesey, though. I'd rather rather not. But, if, yeah, if, if Victoria wants us on there, I'm more than happy to. Dave Barrett and Hazel Simmons will be going for a coffee on Friday morning at 10.30. That, that's, that's all we can promise, OK? Can't say any deals will be brokered, but sometimes you just need to put the politics to one side and just need to have a little chat. Fingers crossed. Well done to both of them. They're both, uh, Dave and uh, uh, Hazel, both big people. Well done. I appreciate that a lot. Now, TV uh, chef Jamie Oliver has called British youth wet behind the ears, saying that European immigrants are much tougher workers. I've been speaking uh, about this all morning, and uh, Justin Dealey, who is not an immigrant worker and is one of the hardest workers in show business, 
has been out talking to people about this, haven't you, Justin? I am very hard-working, Ian, as you know. Very, very hard-working. No, sorry, I even not... did a podcast last week on your behalf. Yeah, not hard-working. Tough to work with, is oh, what I is meant. Is that right? Yes, well, that's what, what about I... you, then? No, <laughs> Come no on. You, did, you did do a podcast last week, and I'm, mm. I'm, I'm really investigating how I can get that taken off the internet. But um, Don't bother, because it's staying there. OK, let's, let's, let's watch it zoom down the uh, iTunes charts. <laughs> You've been out talking to people this morning, Justin. What have they been saying? Yeah, we spoke to some migrant workers in the first hour. They agreed uh, with uh, Jamie Oliver's comments again. In the last uh, hour or so here in Lucent, been talking to migrant workers, asking them the same question. Do they agree with Jamie Oliver and what he's had to say? And here's their views. Yes, I am agree. I am agree 101% because I've seen here many times, because before I work in McDonald's and Royal Mail, there is, I think there is 75%, there is 75% migrants which came from outside the country and they're working and full time they're working very hard, very much. A lot harder than British yes, people. Yes, I, it's 101% fact. 101% fact. I mean, you're quite brutal about that, but, but again, you're just giving us your, your honest opinion. I saw the news in today's newspaper. There is comment also. Uh, the migrants are working hard. Uh, I'm going, I, I think this is the fact. So would your advice be to British workers listening to this right now, just work harder? Uh, if you are comparing, I think both are working hard, but from my side, I think that migrants are working hard here. Like I said, I wouldn't want to insult English people and say that we're tougher or better workers. Um, I just think that it's tougher to keep jobs in our countries, and um, when we come here, um, we respect work more, maybe. Maybe that's why it seems as English people may be slightly lazy, or it just seems like it. I think it's just that actually people work too hard in a way and are being used for that reason. So I think I think that's just the just the thing. Maybe they're tougher. Maybe it's just because the perception of it is just because they they respect work more. So they're not willing to quit and they're not going to show that they're lazy because they're scared to maybe lose the job. And I think they're hard workers as well. But like I said, there are lots of English people work working really hard. So it's I think it's just a perspective, really. Isn't that interesting what she said there, Justin? A very interesting phrase. Uh, Immigrant workers respect work more. Yeah, and it's something we heard as well earlier on in the programme. It's a cultural thing. I think we we heard there from that lady saying that where she comes from in Poland, it's you've got to work really, really hard to to keep your job. And jobs are, you know, few and far between. When people come here and they get a job, they are desperate to keep it. Uh, There's certainly more options for people who are British. And a man in the first hour saying too many people in this country they are on benefits it's way too easy for them to be lazy we haven't got that option we've got to come here we've got to work hard which means we will eventually keep our jobs justin go and have a lie down you deserved it tony's in luton morning tony hello uh, how are you yeah i'm good thank you you're british you're not a hard worker i am a very hard worker oh. i'm uh, i'm very fed up with uh, people knocking the british all the time you know i've been working since i've left school uh, must be tired. At, at the moment, uh, I'm not at work. I'm off sick. Oh, but that's, that's oh, hang on, hang on a second, Tony. You got your bunking off today? Not bunking off. Not feeling very good. But again, that's one of the. Uh, but you the see, a, a Polish person would carry on regardless. They'd be there sweating through it. Yeah, but see, they they haven't got uh, protection, have they? Uh, they've been taken advantage of. Well, no, but th- that's the thing. That lots of people are saying they're being taken advantage of, which they possibly are. But perhaps we're relying too much on the protection. Yeah, uh, I think you sound uh, fit to me, Tony. 
<laughs> yes, I have uh, ear problems at the moment. Uh, but um, what do you do for a living? Um, I work in a charity. Okay, so you don't you don't need ears for a charity. I do because I'm I'm on the phone a lot and I get dizzy spells. Okay, okay. Well, Tony, listen, we, we, I'm moving on. Just going to get one more voice in before the end of the show. George is in Hitchin. George. It's not George. It's Jim. Oh, hello, Jim. Yes, hello. Anyway, yes, I'll just remind you that the Nissan factory in Sunderland, right, has the highest output per worker in Europe. Right, and they're Geordies, of course. Of course, the Geordies do look upon the Southerners as being softies, you know. So, hang on a second. So you're <laughs> saying that the, the Geordies and the Northern workers are tough, but the Southern English workers are not so tough? Well, it might be. But that is a fact that the Geordie workers, and certainly when they went oh. to... Uh, in the past, when they went to Germany to work, yep. when there was no work in the north, well, I've seen the that Germans d- thought they were fantastic work. I've seen that documentary series, Alvida Zainpet. Ah, oh, there you are. <laughs> yeah. You, Jim, uh, Jim, I wish you called in an hour ago, because we could have our whole north-south divide there. So Jim's saying, no, hang on a second, British workers are tough, but only British workers from the north of England. The south of England, they're southern softies. Well, that, that creates a whole new argument. Maybe JVS can pick up and run with that baton a little bit, <laughs> a little bit later on. Uh, thank you very much, Jim, and uh, thank you very much, Tony, uh, for that. You can send me an email uh, if you want to uh, get in touch with any stories that you think we should be covering on this show. Uh, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk I-A-I-N dot L-double-E at bbc.co.uk uh, You can also go to the Facebook page and, uh, and, and post up suggestions there facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr We've got quite a few of our good stories recently from the uh, from the Facebook page Right, it's 8.58, let's get the travel with Adam Travel news for beds, cards and bugs BBC Three Counties Radio Aylesbury, the A418 Oxford Road. It's partly blocked both ways, looking quite slow after an accident this morning. There was a bus and a pedestrian involved in that. That's between Gatehouse Road, the A41, and Fowler Road, past the Henry Floyd Grammar School. Things looking slow still on the A508 near to Milton Keynes, from Yardley Gobian to the A5 at Old Stratford. So if you're making a journey across into Northamptonshire, you're going to find that quite busy this morning. Down to the M25 then, and anti-clockwise in the roadworks, there are delays past Enfield, Junction 25, slow-moving traffic, Chorleywood to the M40, Junction 18 to 16, and then if you're making a drive into London, the A1 is slow southbound still from Apex Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. If you're commuting by rail, though, trains are still running without problems, departure boards looking very good, and there are no issues reported on the tubes. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. I do like the cheek of that penultimate caller. You know, British workers, very, very hard work. I've got the day off today. I've got bad ears. But apart from that... Right, that's it. That's your lot from me. I'm back tomorrow at six. JBS is up next. Until tomorrow from me, ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm a hard-working British worker, but I get dizzy spells. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. On today's Big Phone-In, is Jamie Oliver right that immigrants make better workers? TV chef Jamie...